Hello Survivors and welcome to First Aid Spray, a Resident Evil podcast by fans for fans. This is episode 34 and this time we're delving through confidential documents and reports to piece together answers to the question, just who is this mysterious lady in red? This is Profile Ada Wong. My name is Sinyak, you can just call me Sai and joining me on the panel this week... Sorry about that, when I saw the microphone I thought you were another one of those podcasters. It's Fire Button Steve Vannance. Good evening, everybody. Yes, but nobody remembered to roll out my red carpet. Our special guest this week, a pillar of the Resident Evil community, architect and webmaster of CrimsonHead.com, it's George Trevor. Thank you. Hi, you said pillar, not pillock, didn't you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> good, e- good evening. Pillar Hi, slash pillock. <laughs> really pleased to be here. I've been called worse than that. <laughs> Thanks. This episode of First Aid Spray, like all others, was recorded live on our Discord server. Enter our little world of survival horror now to hear the show early and unedited, as well as join our wonderful community and keep up to date with all of the latest news. You can find a link to the server, as well as all our other social media profiles, at our website, fasprayPod.com. You can also help the show by checking out our merch, or by supporting us on Patreon for as little as $1 a month, with various tiers, each with their own perks. Head over to patreon.com forward slash fasprayPod for a full list and the chance to create bonus first aid spray content. Housekeeping at the top of the show this time, special thank you to our latest Patreons, uh, I hope I pronounced this correctly, Stefan Plakanika and Edmund Trujillo. Special thank you to both of you and everyone for continuing your support via our Patreon. Um, you do get some bonuses, and our most recent bonuses were the Dawn of the Dead episode. It's been a long time coming, but we discussed the 1978 classic and the 2004 remake. And, uh, yeah, very happy with how that one came out, and that one landed well with our uh, tyrant backers who have heard it early. So they seem to enjoy that. And they seem to enjoy the surprise drop of a new show. Uh, Sherwin and I sat down for 45 minutes to talk about the soundtrack for the original Resident Evil. He picked his top 10 tracks and we discussed just what made them great and and the direction that they pushed in. Yeah, it was a, a really good chat and it's the start of a new series where we'll be talking about music by the name of Now That's What I Call Survival Horror. Um, those are coming out early for our Patreons, a month early as with most of our podcast content. Uh, but do look out for that if you're not a supporter that will be coming to you eventually uh patreons also get all of our youtube content early so they saw the true story of resident evil on game boy color early which is now out over on our youtube so subscribe there for all kinds of various editorial content um if you're interested in the backstory on how that game boy port came to be and then came not to be i guess uh, check out that one And the last piece of housekeeping is we have an update on the website. I have finally gone back now and added added a post for every single piece of major content that we've done. Um, Every podcast episode, every video, uh, every episode of Resident Evil The Beginning, they're all on there and they're all appropriately tagged, um, which means that there is a new page on the website. If you hit content, you can find all the podcasts uh, organized by season and certain uh, videos organized into different categories like law videos in one place and, and then more documentary stuff in another place and also if you happen to be on a page say uh, an episode of the show or a video about Resident Evil 3 you'll see in the tags Resident Evil 3 you click that everything we've done where that's been a major subject comes up so everything is appropriately tagged uh, and hopefully it makes the site yeah a joy to navigate and to get through our massive back catalogue of stuff now 
So let's circle around to guests. First of all, we've got a couple of uh, important contributors to shout out. This is a profile episode. So as always, we wanted to do something special with the file readings. And as always, our good friend Distant Memories has returned to write some original stuff for Ada Wong. So special thank you to Distant Memories 1996 and to Bryn Curry for reading those. Please look forward to those in the show. Uh, Especially like a big thanks this time because those came together in such short order. I gave them such a harsh deadline and and they both did splendidly. Uh, And that brings us appropriately round to our guest panellist who I... Whose podcast I basically ripped the file readings from. Let's be honest. <laughs> um, well, so, I, I need to, I need took the idea from uh, Monique uh, from Resnick for Database. So, oh, there you uh, go. Then she, I think I, I, she, I saw the idea. She did it with um, DC Douglas, mm-hmm. and uh, at the time I had an interview with Catherine Disher coming up, and I just thought, wow, if I can only get Catherine Disher to read the Jules diary, you know, that you get if you collect all the files in the right order in in RE three. Um, and her, her, she was very glad to do it, and, and her agent sent me a bill for over three thousand dollars. <laughs> so, so, so we didn't uh, a lot an invoice. So we didn't proceed with that far reading. And then, so um, who then? Oh, then yes, Michelle Ruff was very mm. kind, and I interviewed her. You know, Jill Valentine in Revelations to read Jill's diary. Uh, so it kind of all started with that. That's amazing! What, what an amazing story. That's great. Um, so, so yeah, obviously, as George pointed out, um, their podcast primarily not completely known as you know steve and i were recently on an episode of the resident evil wars episode which we definitely recommend but recommend the podcast at large if you're interested in the voice actors you've done a lot of interview with voice actors and stuff and that's part of the website as i said crimsonhead.com crimson-head.com um, there's so much stuff on there that we are constantly referring to your site both on the podcast and on resi facts you know interviews and rarities and loads of cool stuff to check out so First of all, my question is, how exactly did Crimson Head come about? Um, yeah, okay, well, uh, uh, I don't want to be too vague, but at the same time, I don't, um, you know, we're here for fun, and you might want to edit around this in terms of how <laughs> depressing this gets. But, well, um, um, I, 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 I suffered a bereavement, um, and I wasn't dealing with that uh, particularly well, to say the least. Uh, if you had lived in my city, you, you may have come across me being rather grumpy, uh, <laughs> like that and i it's funny i don't talk to myself and then just one day i just literally because i was just fed up with 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 how, how i was uh behaving and um kind of just said out loud I've, I've got to just do something with resident evil just you know just to throw my energy into something more positive um and so i just yeah started literally the started the website that day um and in those days it was more just kind of scans that i'd i'd Sort of mm. obtained from like rare Japanese books and and a lot of help really from the guys at Project Umbrella, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of in, in infusing me and kind of um, finding stuff out um, from them. Um, I'd, I'd have to say shout out uh, to, to all the kind of the staff, uh, Newsbot, Neptune, uh, Chimera, um, Stars Tyrant, the Batman, um, Rob Rombie as well from um, Resident Evil uh, only. Um, really just kind of the the, the the work that they were doing just inspired me. And um, yeah, just it, and it just grew from there. And basically what, what sparked it was this, this was the thing that it started from say something like that. And what was incredible was, was I was then getting kind of messages from people uh, thanking me for the website uh, uh, that they were in dark places and, di- and difficult places were, and, and, you know, and they were making friends via the website um, and uh, yeah, it just became very positive, and we grew from like an amazing forum. And everyone, you know, you got people like you, fans like you, and people listening today uh, that just yeah 
grew, grew, grew it with it. We all grew together. Um, and if it's just a very quick plug, if I may, uh, it, it's 10 years old, the, mm. the, uh, the website on March the 10th. And we'll, we're releasing the website in like a brand new build. Um, people that have stayed with us from the beginning have known we've had many bugs over the years. Um, you know, it, it wasn't mobile device dynamic. Yeah. Um, I'd often have to tell people to uh, look at it in desktop mode, which was always very embarrassing. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So um, I better stop talking now. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, it's it's fantastic to see it sort of finally make that big step of evolution. For one thing, as you say, ten years. That's that's pretty cool. Um, and yeah, speaking also is sort of a podcast that. Again, that looked at other podcasts and other websites, and someone said, "You know, yeah, me, me too. I want to do that." It is amazing and humbling when you get those reactions back because we've we've yeah. had similar things. You know, people say, "You know, yeah, actually, it's kind of inspired me to try something else out," or, or as you said, people sort of reaching out that we're in a dark place, and it's like that's the that's the greatest, you know. Um, and even for as a creator, that's the way to do it. If personally speaking, I can't speak for everyone, but if you're in that dark place, is just to find something. And put and pour everything into it. Um, you know, we've been running a over two, two years now, which is crazy. It's flown by, but I dread to think how life, how different life could be <laughs> without first aid spray. And it's only been around two years, so it'd be amazing <laughs> when we're as old as Crimson Head is now. Oh well, yeah. I mean, and and again, I should just very quickly say sorry because I forgot to mention before as well, Joe Welsh. Because uh, one of the other things yes. that you mentioned about the voice actors, um, we're very lucky. It's been incredible. You know, we've played these games. Like I never dreamed, and like I never thought in a million years I'd be able to speak to some of these developers. That you mm. know, Yama, uh, 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 Satoshi Nakai, some of these guys that you know designed and produced the earlier, you know, the first three games, uh, Code Veronica, Resident Evil Zero. Um, and that was very much again. Uh, I, I should say, uh, Joel, Joel Welsh kind of put me in contact with you know with these kind of legends, really, of, of yeah. survival horror development. And uh, so, yeah. And, and, and again, I all just want to say from those early days to see what the community is now. What's so fantastic is the community is in such a positive place. You know that we can mm. come on your podcast. You've you've been, you know you were guest judges on our Resident Evil Wars and things like this. Unfortunately, never really used to happen back in the day when I first kind of came into the community when things were kind of all a bit more kind of. Um, us over here and you over there and right. and, and um yeah. and uh so yeah that that's a great thing to see the way that you guys have grown and and uh yeah uh, i know you've had oracle dragon on on mm. over here with you guys and stars tyrant so um yeah i'm a big fan of first aid spray i've got to get one of your t-shirts um, <laughs> <laughs> that's great you... to... oh sorry go ahead steve like as as the you know more i guess i don't know if i class myself as hardcore sometimes as you guys well, it's like as someone who's been listening to Crimson Head and their content for so many years, this is still like surreal to me. This is like the third time I've been on a podcast with George, and I feel like I'm with royalty. He doesn't realize this, but a like, big inspiration to this man. Oh, like, <laughs> I, um, I, I mean, I, like, it's humbling hearing you say that. But all I all I can say is, um, I, I I've done. I think I'm quite lucky. I've surrounded myself with good people, you know, uh, BSA Arclay, USS Command, mm -hmm. the Oracle Dragon, um, and, you know, new guys that have, have joined us, you know, Joe White. And, you know, you might, I, I mean, I remember, you know, I think go, go, kind of speaking to what you, you were just saying, Stephen, it's very humbling. Um, people would sort of say to me, oh, I can't believe how was it you were able to speak to Joe White? And, and like you guys have had firsthand experience of this. It, it simply you're just connecting with someone who in themselves is so generous and, and kind mm. and it's just through that that the, the, the site is where it is now and the, you know and, and the support of, of of guys like you so i can just I, I, I only say you know thank you back 
back to you and i'm just very lucky i've got an amazing team around me um and he's sonny bauer who just left us but has been replaced by zombie girl again an, an amazing streamer and i also just very quickly say that we're quite new to the streaming um that, that we've done and i've just been blown away just by how kind and generous you know mm. the, we, we've kind of got this kind of new audience through the streaming that didn't know anything about the website and in the, you know even the interviews that we do um and we've been you know really really generously supported by by just resident Evil fans that are just connecting with us just watching us play the games uh yeah that, which is amazing that's great that is definitely great um you know all those names that you mentioned in the community and stuff um most of our listeners will be familiar with yeah i'd say most of them because we often cite their work some of them have been on the show some of them will be on the show in the future wink wink uh, as you said welsh as well i had to i keep on twitter now i had to reach out and and just message him and say hello because you know admiring his work that's sort of been left on the internet all these years and and the contributions yeah. he's made to the community and stuff like that so it is really wonderful to have this sort of interweaving web now of all these uh, of all these people and it, yeah it's it's very cool as steve said and, and to some degree surreal to be a part of that but i'm going to take you back further than 10 years I want to know, how did you discover Resident Evil? What was your first Resident Evil experience and, and what sort of, you know, where did the love bloom, I guess? <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I was just, I was a big N64 guy. I used to kind of just scream and shout about how good it was at all the PlayStation people. I, Because I, 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 it's just showing my age. I just loved the, sp- the, the, the sort of 2D brightly colored sprites hmm. that you kind of had like the sega mega drive days and um and so when you had like these 3d models on ps1 that i just for me just were quite ugly looking and um so i i kind of missed out that's why i just I, well let's say yeah i was an n64 snob i think that's the easiest way to put it um <laughs> and so missed out on all these early games i didn't know about resident evil until it came out on that huge uh, weighty cartridge as resident evil 2 on n64 and so I, I I put it in and I just, my God, can so quite inexperienced with that kind of 3D environment. Um, you know, I'd, I'd sort of missed out on video games the last couple of years before that. Um, just blown away. I can remember walking into the RPD for the first time and just looking around me thinking, Jesus, as can we explore this, this, you know, mm. it was the exploration that got me and the atmosphere by that music. I'm so pleased you're championing the music. The music just got me as well. Um so huge curiosity to go back and play the first one where it all started um and around that time the gamecube had come out and so actually i played the remake as the secondary game before i'd actually got to play the original right yeah um and obviously you know like many people remake just blew me away the save room music just the atmosphere again a lot for me is the atmosphere and the feeling and i kind of missed out you know just my origins aren't really with being a law guy i mean i can remember halfway through the first game i think seeing wesker in the residence and noticing oh that's not and thinking that wesker and barry had been the same person i listen maybe i'm being a bit harsh on myself that must be you know we're going back to the on the because it's funny how how blurry it looks going back compared to the remaster because i put in the gamecube version the other day to see what it looked like you know on a seat uh on those um older tvs hmm. and uh <laughs> yeah so um i i was just immersed in the atmosphere kind of like I, I was all into feeling like i was walking around a haunted house basically mm-hmm. uh you know i wasn't so much into the virology and, and the law part of it but i can remember also being very enthused by the fact that for me it was the first that, that there was i could like stack it up in my gamecube collection because around then that time they re-released the ports of two and three on the same day I yes. think, um yeah 
to nine, 19.99 each back in like around 2002 um and uh around about that time and um i remember everyone going mad about the fact that video game reviewers go mad about um that it was just a straight port without any you know uh boat, um any improvement mm. uh so i played my first uh dealings with two and three were on the gamecube and i just love the fact that it was a continuing series and i just had you know the you know uh, uh remake two and three and code veronica and then zero uh on across the gamecube and that i loved that for the first i was playing this this narrative that continued mm. um yeah yeah i always think um definitely at one point the gamecube really was a wonderful place for resident yeah. evil you know it's got every one of those classic stories on it as you say one two three zero code veronica um and four they're all on there just like what a wonderful time that is and, and just today in fact is just looking at my shelf and just seeing them all next to each other it's lovely uh i find it so funny because as we talked about crimson head we also didn't really mention necessarily that you're one of the uh panelists for the resident evil podcast and i find it really funny that your introduction was the N64 version of all things of Resident Evil 2. And and Star's Tyrant, when he came on, of course, his first introduction to Resident Evil was the Sega Saturn version of Resident Evil. Oh, so wow. not he the most traditional. <laughs> That's cool, yeah. I love that, um, though, because everyone always has... I, I, we've found so far, every guest we've had on has had a really interesting, unique story of how they okay, came to be yeah. a fan. Find yeah. someone who's played the Tiger Electronics version first. <laughs> <laughs> I actually know of that version, yeah, because that was the other thing. I was a huge collector back in the day. I mean, the, the selfish gene. I remember I bought from him over in uh, Australia the true story behind Biohazard book that actually came with the Sega Saturn version that, that, that Sean, that Stars had played uh, when mm. it was released in Japan. And that's that, that's the thing about George Trevor. It had the George Trevor letters in it. I kind of avoided that subject because kind of uh, in, in terms of kind of my background, that's kind of what interested that was the other thing that's what really interested me because i was playing it around the time that um uh, things weren't say going so well and um i um was fascinated by just <laughs> how sort of de not depressing but just how you tragic know, how, tragic yeah thank mm. you the the the, 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 the trevor's tragedy tragedy was i'd never played a video game that, that had dealt with these these situations and and it actually drew me in it didn't put me off at all or, or mm. kind of actually didn't really provoke any further sadness in me far from it um and i was just fascinated by that and uh yeah so i was a big collector so that tiger electronics yeah i've i've got that that copy i've never played it but uh yeah amazing <laughs> Okay, well, uh, with that out of the way, Steve, take us into a rather short version of the Biohazard News. Resident Evil 2's 2019 reimagining is now tied for the second best-selling Resident Evil release, with the original Xbox 360 and PS3 versions of Resident Evil 5. Yeah, it's been a, it's a good time for sales, isn't it? You know, not too long ago we were talking about how RE7 became the best-selling game of the series, and RE2 is rocketing right up there because re5 in in that seat that number one seat for so long it's it's slipping now seven and two both and and you got to think resident evil 2's only been out two years mental i mean whether it was a perfect remake or not resident evil 2 is still like a cornerstone game as as the mm. topic of this discussion the amount of iterations of resident evil 2 really across the entire franchise is staggering so yeah, yeah, yeah. A polished remake that, like you know, 
hits more marks than it misses. I can I can see that, you know, taking things to the next level in terms of sales, especially during a lockdown when people need stuff to do and they keep hearing about a really cool spooky game. Mm, that's just true. It's I think it's a, a fantastic positive uh of of the current state of Resident Evil and the future when games I know I know seven isn't necessarily everybody's cup of tea. But, you know, at least both of these games are more horror-focused. And I know, George, this is something you can definitely echo, to see those games um, rocket up past the likes of the, the more action-heavy stuff, which, you know, <laughs> have their, their positives and they have their place. But, I th- yeah, for me, these two games, this is the future almost. Yeah, it's interesting because I will actually, I'll come to my, actually, I'll come to the uh, rarity and, and I'll be saying something positive about Resident Evil 5 um, in relation to our discussion later on um, about one of the installments that Aiden mm-hmm. Wong's in. Uh, but no, what, what, hearing you say those figures, what really got me, I'm really pleased about is, yeah, I know it, it's contentious, it divides opinion, but just the fact that a game of Resident Evil 7, what Resident Evil 7 tried to do, I'm not saying it's perfect, I'm a big champion of that game, you know, the mind section's a bit dull, um, there are things in it that I, I don't like, you know, I think almost once you leave the kind of the residence area, it slightly, you know, takes a turn for the worst. I'd have loved a much larger kind of where Spencer Mansion sized version of, of that but um no just what, what it tried to do and, and what it did for kind of at least uh half the game i'm so pleased that resident evil 7 had the cells that it did um and it, what you say is, it is great for the series it is healthy the fact that those are two actually quite very kind of diverse games in sense of gameplay um within the series you know with the, with the remake so mm. it's great that you know there's a big enough audience i'm pleased it shows capcom that, that they can go in that almost minimalist kind of survival horror approach and and re7's done so well so i think they're definitely gonna with that they're building on that with re i think the whole castle section is just going to be taking everything that was good about re7 and improving upon it right yeah 100 percent. okay well that is the summation of the news at this point so let's roll right into our main subject and now original writings by distant memories 1996 who you can follow on twitter at Distant Memory 96, read in character as Ada Wong by Bryn Curry, who you can follow on Twitter at Strong Nerd Life. September 1998. The sky was dark this morning on my way into town to do some of the preliminary reconnaissance work in preparation for the mission that I had accepted from my current client. An organization who shall remain nameless as of this entry should I fail in the agreement I signed with them. I wouldn't want to ruin my flawless reputation in the underground for conducting such shameless sloppy work. My client sent me the message privately and securely through their own network, one I hope they invested well in, because the devils they are dancing with Don't play nice if they find out you're trying to stab them in the back when they aren't looking at you. I remember when I first read the decoded message that they had sent to me. Whoever they said they were in our communications, I gotta say, they had guts to challenge such an unruly adversary. It was someone I never thought I would truly get the opportunity to cross paths with again. So needless to say, I jumped at the chance to accept their request. They were going up against a multi-million dollar corporation. A company with enough skeletons in their closet to make a modern-day murderer blush. A pharmaceutical tyrant in the world of modern medicine and viral research. 
The thing that most people didn't know about this company was that looks can be deceiving and that they were not truthfully all of what they said they were. The company was none other than the Umbrella Corporation, founded by the late Oswald E. Spencer along with a few of his wealthy benefactors, all of whom had either disappeared or were purposely hidden from the prying eyes of the public. If you knew anything about Umbrella, especially what they truly spent their time and money on in the dark, you wouldn't be alive to tell anyone for very long. You would simply be removed from their path, like you never even existed at all. Thankfully, my client didn't know that I already knew this devil all too well, for the only information they had on record for me was my high success rate. It was a seemingly simple snatch-and-grab of a precious sample of Umbrella's latest biological weapon, currently in development, that, according to their inside information, their researchers called the G-Virus. I was surprised they didn't ask me about grabbing a sample of the previous concoction that they had cooked up in their labs. The prized T-Virus, that was, as of the last time I saw it, currently in development at a research lab over at their secluded Arclay laboratory, hidden directly beneath one of Spencer's old estates. I was there once a while back. The estate was a lavishly decorated and designed mansion, one so grand in its presence alone it could probably stop your heart at the sheer magnitude of its perfection. Although, Given the less-than-savory things that went on inside the walls of the place and medical mismanagement from down below, I would never want to live in or anywhere near that house. Spencer spared no expense when it came to building that old mansion. If I remember correctly, he hired one of the best architectural designers of his time, a man named George Trevor, who, according to newspaper records, hasn't been seen in years. I wouldn't be surprised if Umbrella got to him, knowing how ruthlessly they conduct their business. According to the intel I received from the organization, the G-Virus sample was located somewhere deep down in one of their massive laboratories beneath Raccoon City, a small Midwestern town with the kinds of secrets that don't make the travel brochure. My client made previous arrangements for me when I got into town. I'd say that I could thank them for their efforts, but in truth I could have booked somewhere much nicer myself than the dump they found in the area. They walled me up in some disgusting motel just outside of the city. A dumpster fire of an establishment that should have been condemned. A dirty, cockroach-infected shack that the owner Mickey called simply... A day in Raccoon. I didn't dare sleep in the bed. I definitely didn't like the idea of contracting something off of their used sheets. So the couch in front of the small television was where I spent my nights after sightseeing in Raccoon City. The mission on paper seemed to be one of the easiest jobs I'd ever been assigned. Compared to the countless ones before it, this one was clear-cut and to the point. It was all laid out by my client, carefully planned and calculated. From the early scouting to the exact moment of action when it went down, 
all the way to the final extraction point after the job was successfully completed. I was to meet someone from their organization at one of Raccoon's well-known hotels they called the Apple Inn, so that they could discreetly collect the sample and pay me the money in cash for the job. One would say that I was working as a spy, although I think that the word spy is a dirty word, often misunderstood by those who use it in conversation. I like to think of myself more as a senior intelligence specialist, in a manner of speaking. After all, I'm just casually finding my way into one of Umbrella's esteemed laboratories, taking a little look around the place, and permanently borrowing one of their new creations. It sure doesn't sound like I'm spying at all in my book, so they should be delighted to know I'm doing them such an honored display of respect. I'm sure they won't even know I was there. And our main subject on this podcast is Ada Wong. This is Profile Episode... Are we on now? Five? Um, and we are getting through to major characters with many, many appearances and quite convoluted backstories in some way. I'm looking at my introduction here. And I've got like three paragraphs to read. I've tried my best to shorten it down, so bear with me. Uh, but we will be talking about Ada Wong's appearances in Resident Evil 2, both the original and the remake, uh, her Death's Door scenario in Umbrella Chronicles, Resident Evil 4, Resident Evil Damnation, and Resident Evil 6. But before we start, let's give a shout-out to the Resident Evil podcast and the Batman and his amazing mythology, where I've taken most of this information from and spliced it and... You know, try to make it as succinct as I possibly can, but there's a, there's, a, there's a meaty bit to this. So, as I say, bear with me before we roll into it. So, Ada Wong was born in 1974. Nothing is known about where she was born, her childhood, her race, or even her real name, as Ada Wong is just an alias. She had ties to an underworld Chinese crime syndicate where she received specialised training in firearms, martial arts, and acrobatics. And by her early 20s, Ada had an impressive set of athletic abilities and was very agile. She was also extremely intelligent and had a confidence about her work and her own abilities. Although she retained ties to the Chinese syndicate, she hired herself out as an independent contractor to many different corporations and groups with differing objectives. Ada had her own personal reasons for doing this, but what her true goal was, only she alone knew. In the mid-90s, Ada found herself in the employ of Derek C. Simmons, who at the time was a high-ranking government official. The two formed an effective partnership with Simmons, coming to regard her as an equal. Because of this attachment, he began to confide in Ada, and this was how she became this is how she came to learn of the family, a secret fraternity of powerful individuals working behind the scenes of global affairs. By 1998, she was also hired by the rival company, a direct competitor of the Umbrella Corporation, who sought to exploit their classified biological weapons program. Ada used her charms to get close to John Clemens, the chief researcher at Arclay Labs, and became intimate with him in order to gain access to the estate and restricted company secrets. During her time posing as a researcher, she learned about the G-Virus and relayed this to the rival company. In September, Ada travelled to Raccoon and began meeting with freelance reporter Ben Bertolucci. She also came to learn that Umbrella was nearing completion of the G-Virus, and it was agreed that Ada would infiltrate the underground laboratory with Wesker monitoring her progress from behind the scenes. Unfortunately for them both, the USS team led by Hunk got to Birkin first and triggered the botched operation that led the full-scale leak of the T-Virus across Raccoon City. So that brings us up to RE2. 
the first ever appearance of Ada, obviously, as portrayed by Sally Carhill, which is a name that is going to come up many times, I'm sure. I suppose my first question is, uh, for those of you who remember playing this game for the first time, perhaps, and I was definitely too young to remember my first playthroughs, right? I don't really have an answer for this. But Steve, when you played RE2 for the first time, did you believe her cover story? Because, of course, you encounter her in the Leon playthrough, and... Her whole thing is, oh, I'm looking for my boyfriend, John, which kind of obviously doesn't turn out to be true. But at the time, when you played it for the first time, do you remember just kind of going along with it? Or were you already like rubbing the chin I, and going, hmm? It was very much rubbing the chin, but it was also like, I remember reading a lot of promo magazines and stuff about RE2 before it came out. And obviously this is, I don't know if it's in, it, part of her cover or anything, but like, I remember her being implicated as a journalist. I don't know if this is true or just some fourth for a magazine, but there was like I remember these articles and they'd have little like little bits, tips about stuff going to happen in the game with like a pop of Ada Wong saying some random trivia about the game in development, subtitled Wong on the spot number one or two. So <laughs> they really went in hard as Ada Wong is this undercover journalist. And then when I get to play the game proper, not a thing is mentioned about it. Uh, so yeah, there was there was that, and then there was the fact that you know. Even a young, idiotic Steve still like could put two and two together that Ada is the name of the person who was in the RE1 file. Mm. So this person is not on the level. See, that's good memory. That is. Yeah. I remember strange things. Like, if you ask me, you know, directions, I probably will direct you the wrong way. Just just go the exact opposite where I tell you. You want to know where this single pack of bullets is, like hidden obscurely in Resident Evil 2? I will know. Yeah, I can testify right? to that one as well. Uh, <laughs> my, my special abilities are are weird and uh, anachronistic. <laughs> uh, GT, do you remember sort of what your reaction was to the Ada cover story the first time you played? Yeah, um, you know, I think first of all, it's quite quite taken. I mean, her whole performance. Um, you know, it's, like you said, Sally, Sally Cahill. I thought her. You know, she she just had, everything about her was so mysterious and. Uh, yeah, I, I I was just in, enjoyed the flat fact that she clearly had some kind of other clandestine, um, mm. you know, motive uh, going on, and I, that that really piqued my interest because up till then I was finding some of the characters kind of slightly generic. You know, I've never warmed to Leon, I'm afraid, um, and 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 Chris as well. Again, I I uh, you know, Ada's by far my favourite character in the series. You know, I it's, I will get to this. I'm sure how tiresome it may. Become for some fans um, that they haven't kind of done a, a lot with her, you know. That, uh, but yeah, no, I, I enjoyed these these early stages when you find out, you know, that there's so much more going on with her. They're, 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 you know, there's there's so much more dimension to the character. Mm. Yeah, I would I would say off the bat, I think uh, I guess this is somewhat spoiling future reactions to other Ada uh, appearances. This might be the most interesting one. Um, not necessarily yeah. my favourite one, but I think this one has the most layers to it, essentially. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, because you've got this cover story, as Steve said, that sort of relates back to the original Resident Evil as well, um, and a particular file, which is a wonderful through line. Um, and the way that it sort of unwraps and you come to discover the truth as well uh, is, is really interestingly done and obviously it's the same thing with the remake where it's kind of handled by another character and it, it's almost kind of like oh you know who do you believe as i say i don't really remember my first time playing through this game so my memory of ada has always been uh having all the revelations already out in front of me um 
but yeah, I remember her being a very important key character, a very a very good standout character from the game. Um, from from a game as I say, I say standout, but everybody stands out from the game. That's the thing. She's she is as solid a part of this cast as anyone else. I would say, which is which is fantastic because Resident Evil Two is such a strong cast, top to bottom. And not just Leon and Claire for me and Sherry, um, but you know even stuff like Brian Irons, who you know beloved, and even even Kendo. Why not? You know all the characters in this game. Uh, I I love uh, and this is yeah just I just she's much more interesting in this than some of our other appearances I can say that much. Just hearing you now, like like, like you say, we, we, um, the cast of Resident Evil Two, these characters, it's, it's it's amazing. I mean, Kendo is you know when I've I've been again you know lucky to interview some of these these actors and I I, I want to champion that their their performance and so during the interviews I go to put the, you know cut scenes of the dialogue and. Mm. Uh, Gary Crawford, uh, uh, who was Brian Irons and, and Robert Kendo, when I came to him, I was shocked how little dialogue Robert Kendo has. And you think, and, yeah, and, 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 I mean, Dario Rosso. I mean, I know fans in the community who are just literally following the series just because of Dario Rosso, uh, you know, has like a few lines. It, and how, how many emotions and images now, when I say that name, does it evoke within you guys? The file, you know, I just, I just think that the tragedy that he, he, when he bemoans that no one will know about this great novelist, I'm getting sad. I'm welling up for Dario now. <laughs> thinking, thinking about him. But uh, yeah, I, and uh, hardly any lines, but it's incredible that, that cast. And I just want to say Resident Evil 2 has my favorite Ada Wong moment uh, across the series when um, Leon. Uh, and this might speak to the, the fact that you know you, the limitations of the time of the graphics of the polygons that they had to work with what they had and maybe moments of gold for me like this wouldn't maybe have happened if if, if they had more the more technology available to them at the time uh, when Leon sort of halfway through sort of they're running through the uh, towards I think the sewers um, and Leon says oh yeah you know hi I'm Leon you know um, our, our um, RPD members like kind of showing off. And hmm. uh, just the character model for Ada just looks at him like, like I don't give a f- I just shrugs his shoulders. <laughs> like, doesn't introduce herself back to him. He's like, well, I, I couldn't give a f- who you are, basically. <laughs> and, and, but that's kind of another moment that you, you clearly realise because if she was who she says she was, that, that she would want to invest more in that relationship with Leon as a kind of a protector, as a police officer. But you clearly know from the start that she's above his kind of level kind of she's definitely is kind of dominant over him mm. um but then what's interesting well as you say the layers that then she, she actually shows herself in a very um um kind of you know open way you know she opens up to him in a way that we clearly in that going back to that moment where she shrugs her shoulders at him and just kind of slaps him down like a puppy dog mm. um you, you you get those other moments with with them but yeah we'll come to that won't we yeah i do you know i can see what you're saying about almost not being enthused by Leon's character for me um I guess you know if 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 he went through the whole game sort of being how he is up before he meets Ada I could take it or leave it it's really when he meets Ada and their interactions that his character really comes into its own almost and because you get this sort of back and forth he's trying to be heroic she's not really that interested of course everyone's favorite right ada wait and leon being like you know why doesn't anybody listen to that that might be my favorite leon line in the game is you know why doesn't everybody anybody listen to me um just that pairing (laughs) in that game they just they they make each other uh, sort of yeah, you, you reminded me of, of actually probably my favorite leon scenes yeah i, I kind of it, it's ta- it's kind of provoke she provokes the kind of the uh the character mm. moments that are, are great about leon and uh will come to it that, that i think that that's one of the 
few things that I actually like about the remake of two is I think they did that really well the yeah. way they kind of played on that relationship and showed those scenes they you know I think um you know Jolene Anderson and uh Nick Apostolides did did a great job together mm. particularly you know the emotional scenes that you were just talking about Ty yeah definitely yeah um and obviously Leon is definitely the most important character that she interacts with so uh to that end Steve what do you think of sort of their relationship in this game uh, I'm going to be mean, I, I suppose. It feels like we've showered lots of praise on A Double. To say how long-standing this uh, this relationship between Leon and Ada is going to be, mm. it feels like it, it accelerates rapidly. Although saying that, everyone else has like Ada waiting all these things. One of my favourite scenes is Leon B's uh, Ada's death sequence, where they're literally having basically a heart to heart and talking about how you know I'm just a woman who fell in love with you and all this. Like, whether that's like hokey crap for the sake of it's like you know, a cheesy video game script. Or not? It really, it still like hits me a little, you know, when Ada's quote unquote dying in Leon's arms, and the whole place is going to explode. It is there's something very um, touching. It's mm. like one part where it feels like it's been accelerating rapidly to get to this point, but this point is a significant moment in time. If that makes any sense, like yes. the relationship, the, the relationship comes on fast. It hits the brakes at the weird point, but that point is still satisfying. I suppose is what I'm trying to say. One thing um, I think. I, I, they, in a way, great way that they avoid it, kind of being cheesy, because I, I, I could get very quickly sort of down that route of just, you know, turning my net, you know, away from that sort of stuff. Um, it's kind of the the layers and little the little kind of details. Again, you get, you know, these games from that era, because I, I didn't notice it. The Oracle Dragon um, pointed out to me that uh, the gun that uh, Ada points at Leon at the end, uh, Vari two. Um, if you go to examine it after after you know had sort of supposed death fall um it's empty um, yeah i don't mm. think i ever actually went to check the gun out myself but just a little thing like that you realize you know actually the gun wasn't loaded um it's just a little thing but there's lot those kind of things build up and build up and build up and you get just kind of a much more layered and like a nuanced a performance well just kind of narrative and uh, character to go into that and um uh yeah that that those are those are great moments that maybe uh, done differently would have been a little bit more cheesy. They just aren't. Mm. I, I, maybe I'm being a bit uncharitable to it. I, I, RE2 is still my favorite Resident Evil game. Like there is no, there is no if or buts. So even if I criticize it, it's only from a, a lens of having walked this path so many times. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, no. Otherwise, I think Ada is genuinely a little bit hampered by the fact that we. I mean, we're going to get into it probably by the RE6 era, but she oh, defines yeah, yeah. herself a little bit too much by her interactions with Leon. Mm. At least that's the the, the germination of that, that point right now. Mm -hmm. And that's why I wanted to get to it, really, because it is played as an important part of her character from here to where we're at now, almost. But mm. it, it, it's weird because I said this one's kind of the most human, and that's ignoring the death scenes and stuff like that. Even, you know, just sort of looking out for Leon when he gets shot, when he kind of sac tries to sacrifice himself for her and stuff like that. But, you know, it kind of, looking back on it now, it makes you sort of question um, how much of it's sort of fake humanity, you know, how it's being nice for the sake of a front, you know, because it starts off as these lies about her boyfriend and they're going to work together, sort of, because of that. And she's got her own goals, really. Um, Parmi almost wonders, you know, that whole death scene, how genuine is that, really? Is she still kind of playing a game there, maybe? She sees Leon as this uh, 
there's, there's yeah, potential I... in him to actually fight against sort of bioweaponry that we all, you know, he's gone on to be. Maybe what she's sort of thinking is if I give him this moment and die in his arms, that's going to fuel this future hero. I'm completely off my rocker with theory here, but... <laughs> yeah, I'd say it's, it's something similar. I would have said it's a case of this place is going to blow up very soon. And I may not know this man very well, but he just he tried to save my life, and I'm kind of attached. And rather than drag him down, I'm going to let him go by, you know... Giving him something uh, to fight for. This is why I love yeah. character so much. The, mm. fact we're, the fact that we're even having to ask that question... Yeah. You know, that, that, that she comes with that is, you know, I, I think is great and um no i think i mean she's quite on the level at the end when she you know makes it clear you know this that's why i told you that's why i told you you know to go um i think and you know they are like you say they're quite short interactions so in the short space of time they that they're together but that they they, they have these really impactful experiences um i think you know any two human beings you know in 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 a normal situation but you know place them in like you know a zombie apocalypse mm. uh i think they kind of even become more heightened those those emotional moments um so i i think she was sincere and genuine at, at the end when i think about the you know the the, the sort of the you know how um you know the when leon gets shot and um and and again I think, you know, she was, you know, this cold professional and the fact she even forces at the end when she's pointing a gun at Leon, I think, again, it's another sign of, you know, her sincerity. Yeah, I would I would agree. It's just a wild theory, to be honest. I think you're right, because there's there's some stuff and we'll get to that certainly touches on the idea that it's it's genuine. Otherwise, we wouldn't really see this pairing just keep cropping up for one thing. Um, but this is definitely the one where it, it feels the most genuine. Speaking of deaths, are we all in agreement that the Leon B death makes the most sense, right? There's no, like, <laughs> the Leon A death where you just fall into the endless pit. Uh, Del Star thought... established. She hasn't got the grapple gun until, like, Exactly, yeah, see? <laughs> so? I think that was an argument at the time when it came out where it was, you know, that's an extra tick in the column of Leon B as the canon entry, obviously, until we got to Ari. uh was it six that made it confusing? Either way, I know that you know there was a, a long debate, and I remember playing it at the time and looking at the two deaths and being like, "One of these is a bit, yeah, it's a bit extreme." Like, <laughs> I mean, it the, could the, lead to like a water sluice or something, but I'm sure the impact of that height would still like you know turn Ada into a pancake. Yeah, <laughs> the epilogue file shows there's like an injury, isn't there, on her hip? I think on mm. her side. Yeah, looking and. I think I can't recall. Is she throw? You know, is she kind of thrown at in. You know, into the um, when she said, "Is the impact like on her side?" Mm. Could you know? Yeah, I think she hits it. I think it's mostly sort of her back. She gets thrown back first into it. So, but still, arguably, okay, yeah. that could make yeah. sense. Right in Death Store, her her character model is more consistently messed up and damaged with relation to being thrown into a console than just falling off a cliff from a shoulder shot. Um, <laughs> yeah. Not not to again beat the you know Leon B horse, but you know, but lady got smashed into a computer. I loved that because actually sort of cramming in revision for today, and one of the things that, that I noticed because um, I hadn't I loved Umbrella Chronicles, but hadn't played it for quite some time. Um, is yeah, it's it's great that she you know she really is uh, um, the character model. You know the bandages and the bloodied bandages all over her body. Um, so and I kind of like that. You know I think mm. it, the the red dress is iconic and it's great, uh, but it gets it gets a bit 
sort of you know camp and and, and almost z nation-esque when you're expected to believe that you know in re4 and and not so much in the remake of two that she's running around you know actually you see her injured quite badly in, in the remake of two but uh yeah uh well we'll come on to what they did with her in re4 um <laughs> Um, so let's talk about performance a little bit before we hop to the 2019 version. Uh, as I say, it's Sally Carhill, who, I mean, oh, cards on the table. She 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 is my favourite voice actress of the lot. I I would imagine. I am fairly fairly optimistic. That's a generally held opinion, and that isn't to put anybody down. And we'll definitely get to the others. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just every ounce of the right. I don't know what it is, just everything that you need Ada to be, she pulled off. Sort of the suaveness, the worst kind of sexiness, if you like, the mysteriousness. She has a badass moments when she's kind of like arguing and fighting with Annette and stuff like that. Um, yeah, just a fantastic range and, and everything that the character should have been. I think the dialogue is written really well for her, but uh, it's the performance that brings it over the edge. Yeah, her voice is amazing. Like you say, it just it just, you know certain voices match certain characters um you know i i knew before i even saw a picture of steve i knew he had a wonderful beard you know just from that <laughs> voice um, um and with sally i just yeah I, one thing i just recall in an interview she said that if she's um that you know that sort of the imposing kind of she kind of softens it almost with and she said she wasn't scared in coming in, in coming forward in in sort of um adding that kind of se- sort of sexual element to it but, mm. but in kind of a uh, an independently kind of strong way. Yeah. If she's like, if she wants someone to get out of her way in a queue, she kind of puts on her Ada voice. It's like, <laughs> she's just like, excuse me, can you get out of the way? And she, and, and she says it in her best Ada kind of almost slightly intimidating way. Um, so I, th- I thought it was very funny. Um, but yeah, she uh, but speaks to the fact that there is um, kind of so much like nuance to her performance. Um, you know, which you need, you really needed. You know, from those different, you know, you know, at, you know, the the, the, the cold take no by that you know um because that's the thing you get from her irrespective of what she says about the boyfriend and everything just her whole body language and tone of voice gives off like she's far more deeper and more professional than that and therefore far more uh kind of uh, significant reason um but then you get obviously those those moments of emotion and and softness and and, and sally's brilliant in all those moments indeed steve can you <laughs> thoughts on sally you see, that's the thing. I think every uh, Ada actress is in their own way special, but Sally, yeah, like you know, that there is no. It's, it's like comparing Optimus Prime to any lesser Transformer. It's not happening. It's not happening. <laughs> Sally is Ada. Everyone else is someone who's okay or acceptable as Ada. Like, the, the, there's a reason why Sally got cast as like Ada's English voice in the Abomination yeah. Anderson yeah. films. Yeah, I was going to bring that up as well. Yeah. Oh, yes, of like, course. She's yeah. the only yeah. actor from the games to reprise a role in the film. Admittedly, just she, the voice, but yeah. She was I mean, very... Th- oh, sorry. I was going to say, Sally has reprised her role in at least, like, just top of my head, RE2, RE4, Umbrella Chronicles, Operation Raccoon City, Dark Side Chronicles. That's a strong batch right there. Uh, like, I'm just going to quickly fact-check that one. I- I'm Go for it. Well, I'm pretty her. sure from a re- retread of all these things. I don't think it's her in Umbrella Chronicles. No, is it Courtney Taylor? No, nope. I d- it's not her. That's that's what's so yeah what, frustrating. What I have it's... is Megan Holland's head. Okay. 
Because so he had had I the... take that back. Yeah. Oh, you know, <laughs> oh, you know that that the, the, the point still stands. She still reprised the role more than anyone else. Right. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's weird. You could hear her voice in silhouette, not knowing who it is, and you'd immediately click and go, "That's Ada." Mm. Yeah. Everyone else, there's there's other things that muddy those waters a little bit. Like, I, at least for me. I'm going to say, for example, Courtney Taylor is the voice of Jack in the Mass Effect games, and I always get that right. a bit muddled up for me. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. That makes sense. Hmm. That was a point I was making, but basically, yeah, that Sally is that there is no contest really. Uh, go ahead, George. I think you're going to say something. I'm just no. It's just going to say she was very kind because you mentioned about the film. I totally forgot about the film, and mm. um, she had mentioned actually when I spoke to her about that, she said that I think it's Lee Bing was the name of the actress that that was had been cast. Yeah. Um, that it, she really went made a point of stressing that how fantastic that actually Lee Bing's performance was, but that it had to do with her accent being too strong, and mm -hmm. that these kind of maybe slightly spineless producers were worried that you know a slightly strong-sounding Asian accent would like, throw you know American or European audiences wouldn't be able to quite understand. Um, and she was quite, um, yeah, sort of sort of candid to, to say that that wasn't her opinion at all, and that, that she felt Lee Bing's performance was absolutely fine. But she was called in and and. Uh, it kind of yeah, it's, it adds a little bit for me more authority to the to those films because I just couldn't stand the fact that you know we were getting these beloved characters, and you know the incarnations we got on. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah, so <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's move fastly away from that territory before we all uh, yeah want to just call it a day. Um, any more notes on classic RE two before we move to the remake? Cool, fantastic. So, the 2019 version will jump from the original to the most recent portrayal. Um, as already mentioned, Jolene Anderson uh, played Ada Wong in this incarnation. It's the same story again, except kind of not. Like, even I remember before we even got the game, uh, the first screens and stuff with Ada in it, people freaked out because obviously stuff was changing and we now know her backstory or rather her cover story has changed um but she got a bit of a different look and people were like you know you know they're getting rid of the red dress and they threw their arms up in the air and all no she's just got sunglasses and a coat because she's inspector gadget i guess i don't like <laughs> what it's an amazing does anyone yeah, remember yeah. that no but does anyone remember the reaction to that like just pop back in my it's head political correctness it. gone mad i exactly. believe was the uh well of course point. yeah exactly I, I just uh i never liked inspector gadget by the way <laughs> is that why like, you didn't the like music the music annoyed me that theme tune annoyed me and i didn't like the animation of it um <laughs> i'm not here to critique that am i no um, that's right yeah no it was very unsubtle yeah we had this very subtle nuanced um you know portrayal in the original and my god with all the technology around them could they not have just and you know what a fantastic um context to put that into which they just i think failed unfortunately love jolene anderson's performance particularly you know in those more emotional moments i think her and nick were fantastic but yeah it's not jolene's fault you know she has the audacity to not be sally cahill you know she mm -hmm. she, she speaks highly you know they, these things have to move on we loved sally cahill it just it doesn't speak to jolene's performance it just speaks to our love for, of sally's performance that yeah. um yeah and i love because i love these characters i kind of do you know romantically like want to see 
the same voice actors as they do so more in Japan, much more in mm, Japan, mm-hmm. repeatedly. Whereas here it's just a flip of a coin in terms of where the production company is or, you know, but I would have liked to have seen Sally continue. Um, and yeah, that, yeah, so that, that Macintosh business was ridiculous because it just completely killed the whole subtlety of, you know, we, we obviously we knew that she was there for clandestine purposes, but, you know, retell the story many there were many people coming into the narrative for the first time uh, and that was yeah big missed opportunity with there right yeah it wasn't it like a one piece uh, 1.5 callback to a degree wasn't one of her outfits going to be that big coat i know she obviously was at one point linda with the white lab, lab coat but i've heard people say that i've never actually double checked that one myself but it could well be considering the uh the number of, sort of callbacks to 1.5 concepts and stuff in the game but she yeah. basically walks in with a massive sign on her head saying i I'm am a spy, a spy. Yeah, i'm exactly. dodge you <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's ironic though now because everyone was kicking off about shall we say ada's outfit being a bit i don't know what the right word be not very sexy right and then and then when the coat comes off she's arguably wearing a a lot more i want to say uptown clubby classy sexy dress compared to her original incarnation as well mm. so you know joke on that one you people who complain on the internet <laughs> yeah that'll show them um, yeah that got them you know i yeah so it's a it's a weird change it's i guess it works better if she turned up and said i'm looking for my boyfriend wearing that that would be an even bigger red flag i guess maybe if you're an fbi undercover agent i in some universe sure you're going to dress up like a cartoon character but it's a, it is it's a very nice x-files it's it very, very like, x-files yeah 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 um, I, you know, in terms of the cover story change, uh, I'd like to hear people's opinions on that one. I'm still sort of undecided on what I actually prefer because nostalgia and everything, and as we said, the through line to the original game. I loved the idea that she's using this previous experience with her, like using this guy to get information. And her mind, she sees this person, she thinks, oh crap, someone else, let's come up with something immediately out of her mind. Oh, I'm looking for my boyfriend, John. Boom. Just go from there. But in this one, it's almost like she sees the police uniform, this guy who's in, in trouble as well, he's getting attacked by zombie dogs, so he's, he's not overly capable, at least not compared to her. Maybe he'll fall in line and I can use him to sort of uh, pursue my own goals in this evening. He'll probably respond if I say I'm FBI. And it, she, yeah, she just got Leon's character before she'd even heard a word from him, which I actually, I actually kind of like that. And maybe the problem is then it's stronger for Leon's character and less strong for Ada's. Maybe that's the issue. Uh, Steve, out of the two cover stories, do you have a preference? See, this one's difficult, really. I, if we'd had an interaction with Ben where there's like a, a confrontation. That, that maybe tries to eschew some of the lies and then he gets off by the tyrant might have mm. worked better for me. I do think as a overall through line and the fact that it's referenced multiple times throughout the remake's plot, the FBI thing is pretty strong. But the fact that it's not connected at all to the original games through the John story is a shame. Mm-hmm. Like I, I would have preferred the original one, but I can appreciate 2019 trying to be a bit more in, a bit more in the narrative as to why she's doing this for Leon. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's, she's even got a cute little FBI badge and everything. So <laughs> true, yeah. she can't, can't complain at that. Yeah, that's true. I did forget about that. Uh, uh, GT, preference? 
Um, I suppose in terms of the relationship with Leon, like as a couple, I prefer the re- actually funny enough the one in remake. I just think it you know gives opportunity for more interaction and mm. you know better interaction between her and Leon. But just in terms of you know I I love everything about the originals and also you know just for you know just that classic thing with with you know the interaction with john having to use it as the password and also one of the things because i'm a big fan of the old world storm comics um mm. and you've got one of the early editions you see jill uh entering the room where john is writing his uh i think it might be john writing uh, to, to ada but you um I just like, you know, again, I like the fact that there are many layers to the narrative that you can see yeah. retailed in different ways. And, yeah. and, and and so you've got that in the comic as well. So I, I just kind of hanker back to the original. But yeah, I think you're right to point out that size, um, that kind of it, it does add more to the kind of the canon narrative, what, what you get in the remake. Mm-hmm. And it, as you I mean, said, the dialogue that those who have a lot of it is almost about that relationship because Leon's excited in, in a way to like, yeah, we can report them for all they've done and stuff. So it it lended something new. Ada's name is slightly less significant in the original remake as well, isn't it? It's no longer a password. I don't think it's like much of a password, or is it? I know, or is it she's still the password, but Cell and Mole? I, yeah, I that's the one where it changes, I think. Yeah, there won't be much of a through line anyway. Well, yeah, it's a word for file, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. This is the Resident Evil community. So if there's a single file somewhere, someone will have written a document fully going into and analyzing every single bit of it and power to them. Yep. But same token, the FBI core story works. It does work. Yeah. Um, so I guess her personality in this one, um, I don't know, in a rewatch, I felt like she was less arrogant in this one. Was, which now thinking about it, it seems like an odd word to use. Um, I don't know how how do people feel about the, her version of her, the version of her personality in in this version of events. Uh, George, let's start with you. You said yeah, it's interesting. She said sort of more arrogant. Um, I think that definitely comes across, but I think that's the direction probably Jolene was given mm-hmm. in terms of sort of wanting to distance herself and to make it clear from the start you know, um, what the hierarchy was between her and Leon. And that's what yeah, kind that's of is then interesting. She's like knocked down with each kind of uh, human interaction that kind of diverts her from her, you know, her, mm. her real role of being there. Um, it just knocks her down a peg. Yeah, that's very true, actually, because there's a lot more of Leon saving her in this, you know, her getting injured and stuff. So you can, out, yeah, you can almost see it change throughout the game. Definitely. Um, Steve, what are your thoughts on the uh, the differing personality, even if you see it that way if, or not? I do. I, I do. I've got to be honest. I, I feel like uh, whereas old Ada or classic <laughs> traditional Ada, I don't know how you want to say this. Right. Original Ada is uh, more professional, cool. Uh, new, modern, uh, you know, new sleek Ada is uh, manipulative and uh, mm. a lot more keen to do ploys and basically you know, coerce Leon into doing things, mostly because she's just had an iron rod rammed through her leg. But even then, before then, she, the way she uh, has a conversation with Annette, and it's a lot more hostile. And basically, mm. she's like, well, I-, I know all about your little schemes, and I- I'm going to, you know, screw you over as much as you're trying to kill me, ha, 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 as opposed to the original one, where she is kind of, we all know she's like, you know, bluffing Annette and just trying to pretend that she doesn't know what's going on. Mm. It's, a, it's a very different approach. 
I was going to say, it's a refreshing take, although in my head, it feels like the Ada we see in Remake 2 cannot ever possibly become the Ada we see in the future. Well, that's probably my own personal bias speaking. I feel like the Ada Ada that we see in Remake 2, in my head, does not stack up as a through line for the way uh, original RE2 will lead. Mm. But that doesn't mean it's a bad Ada. You know, compared to, like any movie verse character it's still pretty strong mm-hmm. uh, and uh, i think uh, we're probably going to get there so i'm just i want to pull the pin out of that grenade at some at some point someone's going to say aid is the closest thing we have to an alice uh and i would say <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's man. a little bit harsh especially when you look at especially oh, when you look at remake two. Low blow, bloody hell <laughs> <laughs> i was only just going to say there quickly that um i don't know maybe if steve's think maybe i don't know if you're getting to this that it's maybe a bit too unsubtle but i just kind of like the fact that they took you know the the side of ada that we you know we're, we're shocked to see pulling a gun on 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 leon um, and you think you know is she, would she really do that and the fact that she is there for you know she, she there is that whole backstory of of, of what she does uh, how how she got to that point you know who she may have had to have killed missions she would have had you know uh mm-hmm. how cold and emotionless she would have had to have been to got, get to that point so i just kind of like the fact that remake but all the kind of things i thought that were quite superficial about the remake i like the fact that they kind of took that and and went further with it and and showed that kind of aspect it, it I don't think too exaggerated. I don't know if that's maybe what Steve was thinking, but I, I like the fact they kind of went with that. That I mean, so the, that moment that there's like the, the the moment when they kiss on the train, and then the actual face off on the bridge in remake two. I love that moment. I know I prefer, as I've said, I prefer the way she quote unquote dies in the original. But the way they face off on that bridge, and the, there's even that moment where she's flexing up to try and take a shot, and she just can't. Mm. You know, that is fantastic. Like you know, as opposed to. I mean, we never get that kind of confrontation if we go with Leon B route because she just she gets shot and then smashed into a console. It's mm. not quite the same. Yeah, I see what you mean. It is very cool that we get that scene that we wouldn't have anyway and to see those two characters sort of face off, which is funny because in future games, they often have a little bit of a scrap when they first encounter each other before Leon goes, oh, it's Ada. Um what you were saying earlier, I think, is quite interesting because I think we brought this up on the Claire episode about how the re- some of the remake characters don't necessarily... Uh, well, actually, mostly just Claire, to me, doesn't really feel like the Claire in Code Veronica, for example. Um, not to say it's outright bad or anything. It just doesn't feel like the same character. And what I think we said, Leon is almost certainly the one that feels like he could become re4 leon much closer than the classic re2 leon which is obviously wildly different at least he's got some quips in this and i think ada is another one for those for me i think uh it's pretty close it's not as good as og ada you can't see the the change uh as fluidly but i feel like they kept it in mind that she was going to become the character that she was in four now that she's had all of this stuff revealed about her and she can kind of be herself in front of leon so I, I felt the other way, at least. Um, so lastly, on Remake 2, the portrayal, as I said, Jolene Anderson, just to see where everybody ranks this one and how they feel about it. For me, quite simply, uh, this is my favourite Ada actor who's not called Sally. Uh, I thought she did a fantastic job. Uh, yeah. She did, yeah, just just amazing. Like, instantly identifiably Ada. Um, and as with most of the remake cast, I'd, I'd love to see 
uh, her reprise of the role if they if they are remaking Resident Evil Four. Yeah. I would be really interested to see how she handles that version of the character. George, what do you think of Jolene's sing Jolene's praises? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll be quick. I, I, I absolutely agree. You know, um, second only to to Sally Cahill. And uh, what I think is fantastic is that there's just so much in, sincere enthusiasm and passion for the character from Jolene. And you know, she she was was keen to point out you know how much she enjoyed she was the we'll come to it you know she didn't voice unfortunately but she was the um body mod- model character model for yes. um you know, she did the mocap for damnation adrian damnation um and she loves the character and she loves playing the character and you know you've seen she's just there's not many in the community that kind of match her willingness to to speak with the fans mm. um i've got to be careful that you know we don't take advantage you know she's so you know she's done a stream with us in an interview and uh, twice now actually and uh, she's just yeah she's just so kind and lovely and i've seen her you know um, on you know on residents of evil you know do, doing streams mm-hmm. and, and and other places so she it's great that you know we can have this connection with them and so not not, not just saying it for that reason but i think it's great that when the actor themselves has the same kind of love for and passion for the character that we, the fans, do. Um, and, yeah, I think it was a great performance. Excellent. And, Steve, where does this rank for you? I'd agree. Like, you know, as much as I'm going to be touting Sally Cahill's praises, uh, Cahill's praises I, uh, yeah, Jolene, fantastic job. Mm-hmm. Like, not not to, you know, diminish Courtney's uh, Ada as well, but, uh, yeah, if we were going to ever have, if we can't have Sally, Jolene is perfect. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, so we've got one last Raccoon City appearance. It's a rather brief one. Uh, in fact, I almost completely glazed over this and thought, oh, we should probably at least mention this as we did it with uh, Rebecca's sort of side story in Umbrella Chronicles. What, my so, favourite Umbrella Chronicles level? Of course we're going to mention it, Sorry. Sorry, <laughs> Okay, excellent. Uh, so, yeah, Death's Door, which tells the story of Ada uh, escaping Raccoon City uh, before... For the bomb hits, um, yeah, I don't have a whole lot to say about this one. I do think it does have uh, one of Ada's most kick-ass moments, personally, uh, escaping a city doomed to explode, or whilst, as we said, wrapped in bandages that she magically got from somewhere, uh, and yeah, getting the grappling hook out. Um, the the ending in particular is pretty cool, and she does take on a tyrant, which is kind of nice. Um, yeah, other than that, not a whole lot to say. Just just happy to have it, to, to, to tie up the loose end uh, of what happened to Ada and how she got out and add in a few more lore sprinkles about her contact in the Apple Inn. But Steve, if go on then. You, you, can, you can go first. Okay. How do you feel about so, Death's Door? Obviously, uh, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a stinky Brit, so I never played Outbreak with friends online, but I do know about <laughs> Apple Inn and the locations they're in. And obviously, we all wanted to know about Ada and what happened to her. But the fact that this was a complete surprise when I unlocked the scenario in Umbrella Chronicles was like, you know, oh my gosh, we could get something new! Because mm. I'm pretty sure it's one of the first new things besides, like, uh, the nightmare scenarios for Rebecca you get. Unless the Wesker stuff comes first. But either way, big deal for me. Mm. Like, finding out how Ada gets out. And th- then to realise that it's literally, like, recycled... Uh, outbreak stuff as it it's literally like the sewer that leads out from the big tanker explosion in the outbreak scenario and at least Apple in this is cool to see it's very cool for my mind to see I know this is not narrative stuff sorry guys but there's a reason I like this scenario it's good I get to see all these cool things and there's even a nice little through line to the final scenario file two's uh, boss that tyrant 
that Ada has to fight is uh, also been sucked up by Nyx at one point, which is a bioweapon in Outbreak. Which is, you know, it's just cool that this is like, oh my god, they literally did the homework and slapped it together, and it just works! Um, Sorry, Todd Howard meme goes here. (laughs) (laughs) But it's just a satisfying little challenge. Like and uh, yeah, aside from the location point, the actual narrative is kind of cool as well. It shows that Wesker's been on the com the entire time, which was only into that or you know, like vague audio dramas and files that we don't tend to see over in the West. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. seeing that in a, in a solidified state is really cool. And the origin of the Dex Machina that is grapple the grapple gun, Indeed. like it's ridiculous, but it's now part of her character, and we actually see her get it. And as Sai says, we get the really cool, cute scene where Ada loses a shoe to a hunter as she escapes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, do you know, as I said, the Umbrella Chronicles, they, they as, as you put it, they, they did their homework. It really is a wonderful little love letter of like, oh, here are a bunch of questions you guys had. We're going to turn them into just one-off scenarios. It's great, and this is just one of them. And just, uh, you know, spoilers for when we get to that podcast, but, you know, we're all going to like praises, and then we get to the RE3 bit, and we all just like sit yeah. down the card face part. <laughs> Uh, right, you're bringing up the movies. You're bringing up Umbrella Chronicles RE3. You, you're all right. It's, <laughs> you need to lie down. <laughs> no, you lie down. Oh. <laughs> um, GT, how did you feel about Death's Door and, and Ada's starring role? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've got huge affection for Umbrella Chronicles. It's weird, you know, for someone that would, could bang on all day about how they don't like Resident Evil 5, you know, it's not what they want in a Resident Evil game, you know, the Call of Duty, you know, basically with the zombie skin. Um, mm. I, when Umbrella Chronicles came out, I mean, maybe because it's on rails and it's almost just got a way of, thought of like clubbing me to, you know, this is an action game, deal with it. Um, <laughs> and I just love it. I just, it's, and I think it's because it's so charming. And some of the things that you guys just listening to you talking about Umbrella Chronicles reminded me of the charm of this game. And, the, you know, it was something new for the first time. I love the fact that, you know, just the fact that they did, you know, um, put uh, Ada in bandages, uh, kind of was like a callback for me for when, you know, the, Resident Evil 1.5 build, mm. where kind of I think the characters also, you know, you would see their their uniforms kind of, um, yeah, get damaged as you, as you progress through the yeah. RPD. Yeah. Um, I, I uh, so other kind of things that sort of you mentioned actually that I, I really liked. I'm trying to think think back now. Um, but yeah, I just love the artwork that you get at the beginning as you come into this scenario. And yes, yeah, it, it yeah, it, it's it's um, you know, for somebody who does take this series too seriously and, and kind of doesn't like it when they go for over the top unrealistic action, I love the the the, the, the hook shock. It's just part of her character, mm. and it gets her out of of situations in a very cool way. And and that's part of the charm of of Ada that she is kind of that has that James Bond coolness to her. Mm. Um, he which gets I, cars. He gets a grapple gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, as long as they you know play a careful you know with the, the balance and not overdoing it. Um, because uh, you know you've got to, you've got to put some charm in, in in into these situations and uh so yeah i've got no complaints i i love the fact that we saw her and i think it it's a it's a, a good rendition i i'm and the character model because again i'll come on to some of the installments where I, I can't stand the character model for ada but i i'm i'm quite happy with the one in that one it's fine yeah yeah Isn't it good, good honestly, re4 it's the re4 mercenaries outfit like obviously tweaked with bandages and wounds right am i, I right think so that? yeah 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 um, and, and finally, just to tie this one up, um, I guess just to talk about the portrayal, as I said, Megan Holland's head, I think this is the only time, I'm just going to double check, I'm pretty sure it's the only time she played Ada. Um, interesting choice. I suppose the series was kind of in a, a weird transitional moment at this time. Um, 
Because I yeah, I Dumbled Chronicles come out after four. It did, didn't it? Yeah, it must. Of course, it did. It's on the Wii, not the GameCube. Duh. Um, yeah, so yeah, right, this yeah. was sort of between um, Sally and Courtney. Um, you know, she does. There's a decent... five as well. Yes, um, but yeah, she does a decent job. You know, um, good for her to to be the first person to play that character who's not the original actor. Um, mm. did, did a decent job. There's not a whole. There's not a whole lot for her to do. It's it's quite short. I think it's the only one of these extra unlockable scenarios that's only literally one level if you like um all the rest of them are in parts and stuff um yeah decent job steve uh, yeah uh, good enough to convince me it was sally so mm. I, i'll take that yeah, point, yeah right? so true uh and and george any any thoughts on on megan's performance well, it's interesting what steve says because i think i'm wondering if they did ask her to voice match um mm. But often they will specifically not want them to do so. I mean, Joe White talks about how he was he was asked to voice much Chris from the original game. That's kind of how he got the gig. Um, he did such a good job in doing that. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think back because I, I I haven't played Umbrella Chronicles for a while. I was looking at some cutscenes earlier, and I think yeah, it's not bad. I would have to say, you know, um, I'm not overly a fan of kind of the. the and again, it's not to the the actors performance you know you don't know what what, what they're directed by the, the voice director but i would i would i do prefer this um performance over the one that we get in resident evil 6 spain 2004 the more things change the more they stay the same at least that's how i perceive them to be going as of this current moment in time the events that took place those six years ago in a small midwestern town in America named Raccoon City that was ravaged by a deadly virus caused by the now-defunct pharmaceutical entity known as the Umbrella Corporation seems like a bitter memory the more that I think about it. Now that the United States government and its associated powers have most indefinitely thrown the judicial book at them, the likes of them won't be seen anymore in the world. Open and shut case on their entire existence. The world seems to have moved on from the horrors caused by their devious business practices and haphazardly caused biohazards that took the lives of countless people. It's almost as if none of that ever happened. Like Raccoon City itself, wiped off of the face of the earth. No one seems to talk about the small town or the people who were victims of Umbrella's crooked hands of corruption. They, in more than one way, got too hungry for their own power and in the end bit off more than they could chew, ultimately being swallowed whole by their own wrongful actions. What was left of their research more than likely has found its way into the hands of those who would wish to do even more harm than Umbrella could have ever done in their finest hours of operation. Although that's not to say that there still aren't the wandering ghosts of them still to be found. After all, I was once directly involved with them far before the viral outbreak in Raccoon City, working in secret right under their noses in the same lab that they built for the development of what would ultimately become the T-Virus. The ones not under their watchful eyes and molded by their hands, like myself, had been courted and employed by the man who had built his own organization, 
Whilst Umbrella was showing signs of breaking down, Albert Wesker, a man I met many years ago, alongside other researchers such as John Clements, who at the time thought he knew me, when in fact no one truly knew who I was down in that lab. They all had no idea what my plans and goals were as we worked together, and I used John to get closer to the secrets of the virus. The Umbrella Corporation was an oyster, and I was there to crack them open to take the spoils to be used for my own personal gains. Which in a way, factoring in the events of Raccoon City with those early years of my life, has probably landed me where I am right now in this very moment. My current mission brings me to some cold rural spot in Spain to investigate the story of a local cult which has birthed itself into existence out of the darkness they came from, the Los Illuminados, which, when translated from Spanish, becomes the Enlightened in English. These enlightened cult members are reportedly controlling others in the area here with some kind of parasitic organism known as Las Plagas. They appear to be able to have some sort of unknown controllability through them. Something Wesker's new organization desperately wants to get a hold of for their own devious unknown purposes. I've seen another old ghost wandering these grounds. Someone closely stuck to me like the threads in a spider's web. The former Raccoon City Police Department rookie now turned United States government agent seems to be here investigating the sudden disappearance of President Graham's daughter, Ashley. The young lady was violently abducted by members of the cult, and so they sent in their hero, Leon, all alone to save the day. My past seems to be following me, no matter how far I run from it. But unlike Wesker, whom I could care less about, Leon, on the other hand, presents possible problems for my mission. The less Wesker knows of his whereabouts here, the better off both me and Leon will be in the end. Unless, somehow, in an unforeseen truth down the road, his life will prove useful to the goal at hand. It's like I said, the more things change, the more they stay the same. The times change, but its actors stay the same. Only their actions differ in the end by the time the curtains come to a final close. All right, so next up is Resident Evil 4. So we're jumping from Raccoon City uh, many years later to Spain. So <laughs> again, special thank you to the Batman and his mythology for the next three paragraphs. Oh, sorry, four <laughs> paragraphs that I have to read to fill in that gap. Uh, but bear with me because it, it is kind of essential. We'll get there. So, with her contract fulfilled for the rival company, Ada left their services to recoup from her injuries. She also learned that Derek Simmons was the one who made the final decision to carry out the sterilisation operation which eradicated Raccoon Sissy. Disgusted and concerned with having dealings with someone so dangerous, Ada severed all ties from him and never looked back, much to Simmons' annoyance. She returned to the sinister underworld and word soon spread of her mission in the city and the name Ada Wong became legendary amongst those involved in international espionage. 
In order to progress her secret personal objective, Ada contacted the rival company in 2004 and was initially met with scepticism in response. There was no clear information about her background other than her outstanding abilities in infamous missions. Uh, some were rightfully mistrustful and called for her to be eliminated, but then the company decided to adopt a strategy to draw Ada in. By now, the rival company were embroiled in a power struggle with Wesker, whose influence was becoming too high to ignore. They had no reason to trust Ada, but it would be beneficial to them if she functioned as a watchdog to Wesker. Ada's secret reinstatement was permitted. Egotistical and self-confident, Wesker was planning a takeover of the rival company and appointed and personally chose people as his followers. With Ada, Wesker perceived she had a character he liked and skillfully built an alliance with her to put her under his control. But Wesker was no fool and correctly assumed that his own movements would be handed to the top brass of the organisation through Ada. Her true motivations remained secret, and with everyone so focused on Wesker, she had infiltrated them for the second time to get closer to her own personal objective. It was during a routine mission that Ada intercepted an email from a researcher named Louis Serra, pleading for help and protection. This was how the rival company came to know of the Las Plagas parasite. It was in possession of a cult known as Los Illuminados. The rival company quickly determined the parasite possessed high potential for military application, uh, Louis contacted Ada again and begged her to take him into protective custody. The rival company wanted samples of the parasite, but Wesker also desired them. Uh, to halt his relentless ascension to power, the organization's top brass demanded any recovered Plaga sample be returned to them, and then Wesker should be prevented from acquiring it at all costs, and this was Ada's ultimate loyalty test. So she was sent into Spain by the rival company, but also by Wesker at the same time, to kind of work each other this is where we get deep into the weeds of all these multiple corporations stabbing each other in the back and working against each other. And we have Ada working on the inside yet again. Um, and I think this is almost the beginning of the real mystery of Ada's um, true purpose, if you like. So uh, Sally came back to play Ada. Um, and we talked about how she represented a through line. And in a way, for me, she does the similar thing. Her character is slightly different, and we'll talk about her personality change. But if you compare her to someone like Leon in RE4, and his RE2 version, and how different that is, she, in terms of characters, uh, is kind of the one that's tied to the original story for me in a weird way. Even though she's doing something completely different, she's the recognisable one uh, compared to Leon's sudden character change. How did everyone feel about Ada's portrayal? Any changes that you may or may not have felt? Did you feel like this was the right direction for them when you played Resident Evil 4 for the first time? Uh, GT, what was your reaction to RE4's Ada? Um, my relationship with Resident Evil 4 is, 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 is complicated. To yes. Say yeah. it's, it's high, it just highs, without going to you know boring audience with the details highs and lows mm -hmm. you know in, in many respects uh you know my heart was with hookman and the castle versions before it um but so actually having said that really pleased that we were getting because that was some you know character that wasn't part of the hookman and the castle narrative that we're getting ada wong again so pleased that mm -hmm. they're getting that character back so pleased reprised role by sally and obviously we you know with hindsight we know we we weren't aware of the narrative that was placed over this 
by Resident Evil 6, you know, which I absolutely yes. I hate. So obviously we're looking at it at a perspective of, again, you know, in the shadows, is she an antagonist? Is she a protagonist? And I know that's been one of the huge disappointments for many fans of of Ada like myself, that Capcom never tied that story to a satisfactory end. I'm okay with four. I I I love it, and I can I have the patience. I, you know, I think they should have done it with six. So I I was I was, you know, quite happy for her to continue to have yeah. this kind of in the dark, um, in in acting in the shadows. Um, yeah, I had no. That, that, well, I, probably a highlight for me actually is Ada and, and separate ways uh, for uh, in four. Yeah. I, uh, I I would agree with that. I'm I'm of the same opinion about pretty much all of that. I think that following on RE2, where you sort of learn near the end that there's more to this character after the sort of front that she's had up, um, I wasn't necessarily frustrated about a lack of answers. This is really when we get to see her inner element being mysterious. Um, and I remember after the game feeling like, okay... We're going to need some answers about that at some point. They're setting something up. That's cool. Obviously, we'll get to that. Um, and yeah, do you know, for me, I think this might be my favourite Ada of the lot. Uh, Steve, how do you feel about RE4 Ada? Very sorry, 4, as in the GameCube version. Originally, I was... I mean, it's nice to see you, but why are you here? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the PS2 version of Separate Ways came, and I thought, oh my god... She's the main character. She doesn't even know it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And I can't fault it. Like there is a- a- Ada's personality, the way she carries herself, the fact that she's like on on some weird spectrum of good to bad in the Resident Evil universe. She seems to be veering more on the side of good while doing dodgy things now. Like mm. I know she's getting a sample for hashtag bad people, but she's also screwing over Wesker while still trying to save both Ashley and Leon right. when she doesn't need to. She really doesn't need to. Actually, one of these things when we get to the RE6 chapter is something I want to mention, really, in in what apparently is going to be a single-person defense. Uh, <laughs> is the, the, there's some kind of chaotic twist. Like, I couldn't have seen RE2, base RE2, or remake 2 Ada trying to do some of the things she does, which is literally helping people. While she's still, like, you know, she'll happily have a hand-to-hand combat fight with Leon for the sake of it, which seems almost like fun, or, dare I say it, foreplay. <laughs> with the way that they flirt with each other. It, yeah, there's nothing to complain about, really. She's fun, and I like it. It's just a case of, in, in base GameCube version, she's just kind of there, and you don't really know why, which is, yeah. I guess, her character, but it, it felt a little bit off. And then Separate Ways fills in all those gaps while being a fun time. And you even take out a battlecruiser, single-handedly, in a red dress. It's it's fun. Actually, very important uh, to mention Separate Ways, because, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. That's... That's where most of the brilliance really comes from, in fact. It's something that we didn't talk about in our RE4 podcast, and, and we'll probably get there one day. Um, but yeah, as you say, I literally wrote down the same thing. It, it lets her be the star, and yeah, it might be the crowning moment uh, of her appearances, for me at least, because you do... You almost get the feeling you're starting to understand who she is. Um as you say, working with these bad people, but kind of undermining them. And again, we do have um, Ada throwing a magic weapon at Leon so he can save the day. Um, Whilst their relationship isn't necessarily as connected or given as much time in this game, really, I I should think, I would say, 
Um, you at least get her doing that at the end, like as you say, she doesn't really need to do. So that's nice. Um, I mean, she didn't literally. She could have left them to die on the island and just gone like, you know, see you later, guys, bye. Mm. But no, she then you know, um, throws a pr clearly prepared jet ski with a cute little key ring. Yes. Uh, just just to seal the deal, and and Leon still saves you know saves her at the end from uh, Sadler as well. So th there is a dichotomy there where they're saving each other. So I right, guess that's, that's fair. It's fair. Yeah. In espionage and spy games. <laughs> Wesker also mentions in the separate ways cut scenes that it's like, you know, we'll just let them fight. Neither of them are going to survive, especially because we're going to blow the whole well, place uh, up. Yeah, Wes so, Wesker wants, him to, wants Ada to kill Leon and at no point does she even entertain the idea. No, exactly right. So, again, you get all of that from separate ways, as you mentioned. Um, man, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it for me. All I have is just, it's great. I don't have many detailed notes, to be honest. Um... I just, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the fact that she, there was an edge to her, I think, in RE4, Ada, uh, even more so, you know, you kind of mm. were asking the question, you know, how far was she prepared to go in two? And, um, yeah, in, in, in four, uh, yeah, she throws down the keys, but at the same time, it's quite precarious whether Leon's going to survive that or not. And she does kind of leave him in the, you know, proverbable, proverbable, you know, uh, yeah, I know there's no swearing. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and I kind of like that. And I really love the fact that she kind of intellectually, and I think in combat as well, just hands Krauser his ass as well. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, I love that. I love her interactions with Krauser. And I think just even more, he just serves almost as a vehicle just to, to, to put Ada on even a higher pedestal for, for me in terms of her, her abilities and, and and yeah, she's working for Wesker, but at the, 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 the same time, um, she uh, yeah, again, you never quite know whether she's going to betray him. You know, what 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 whether that even is her. You know, who her true employers really are. So uh, yeah, that that that's why I like you. I didn't lose patience with the fact that it provided probably more questions than answers. Mm. It's it's I, funny. Okay, not to jump in. Sorry, it's, just, it's funny George says that she's uh, harder-edged when I, I, comparing her to her RE2 self, her remake 2 self, and her base RE2 self, I kind of still feel like she's a bit more chill and having fun, uh, in, in a way. Mm. And I would argue, I think she's just got confidence. She knows Leon's capable at this point and is mm. confident in his abilities. Yeah, I, I she's, just thought I'd chip she's, in, sorry. No, no, you're totally right. She's very much more leaning on the sort of, like, smoothness. She never seems to be that worried about anything. She's just like, yeah, I'm here. I'm doing my thing. Um, how do we... I guess one question is, how do we feel about the introduction scene? Because I remember a lot of people played that and they were like, wait, wait, Ada's alive. And Leon doesn't overly react to it. Like, it's not like a big shock or anything. And funnily enough... Um, it's funny that we did Resident Evil 4 recently because the Resident Evil podcast also put out their episode on it and they took, um, I think it was one of the guidebooks or something, right? And it had all these sort of like chapters of story and coincidentally, I read the chapter for that podcast for them about this scene and it's really interesting how it's all written. It's, you know, like you said, uh, basically like foreplay and it did come across that way in this book. Like this little bit of fighting and the heat in the air and all this stuff. But how do we feel about the the <gasps> Ada's not dead? I mean, as players, we already knew that. We see her throw the rocket launcher, but Leon's perhaps lack of reaction to it. George, I, I think I mean it's just indefensible. Frankly, I just it's it's criminal. I just you know that's why I say my relationship 
with mm. this game is quite and even just personified in, in that scene that taken out of that context out of the narrative it there were parts of that scene i actually really really love um particularly the way ada plays it but it's yeah it's it, you, you've taken one of the most emotionally impactful points from re2 and significant you know in terms of leon's story mm. And it, and and that kind of you know it's it's not almost Leon's fault you know this plays against this kind of cold emotionless, um, char- you know, um, character that you get from Leon. I just want to very quickly say that that was a very good point actually. I thought Steve made when I'm sort of thinking about how Ada has a hard edge, and I'm thinking about in terms of how she treats Leon and the predicaments that 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 that, that she allows before him. But yeah, you're quite right. She, I imagine, by this time would have realised that he is more than capable to you know to get out of these uh those scenarios but yeah that 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 scene just tragic that so much could have been done with it um it makes me angry now actually just thinking mm. what we've got this just almost just this benny hill cat and mouse thing <laughs> with with again yeah you said but all joking aside we that whole emotional response yeah. from leon that we didn't get yeah that um, just, again I, I guess that's the issue of they're trying to write a game for the potential of new audience and stuff. But for established fans, it was just like a big, wait, what? Like, it's just very confusing. And I think that's, yeah, 100%, obviously the job of the writing has got nothing to do with the performance or anything like that. Performance is wonderful, but it feels almost like there's a page of lines kind of missing <laughs> from that scene almost. They sort of jump into the middle of it, um, which seems a bit odd. Steve, how did you feel about it? Pretty much the same. Like as much as I like the visualness and the uh, you know the uh, the foreplay, it's <laughs> it feels like we're missing context. As we pretty much all said, like it feels like there's a meeting they should have had where they literally hashed out all of their grievances or like, oh, I mean, I thought you were dead, etc. <laughs> uh, to which you know, Ada left him on red clearly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, which I also well, I, imagine is how she deals with Wesker most of the time, to be fair. Yeah. Their interactions. <laughs> uh, it's unfortunate, but I think that's just the way it had to be. Uh, yeah. Like, if they'd, have, if they'd have gone on the full route, what would it have been other than Leon said, you know, heartfelt, like, where were you? I tried to find you or something. And then she goes, I, I know, Leon. Meanwhile, let's oh, have a fight. Even I mean, that would have been nice. <laughs> Well, just you question the ability of the writers here, you know, because again, it goes to like the files of the game, which are some of the worst in the series. <clears throat> the whole just, you know, saving the president's daughter. Um, yeah, you just kind of imagine, like, like you say, Steve, what, what should have played out and the emotion that, that would have had to have been in that scene and the dialogue that would have had to have given to Leon, particularly, you know, with that shock. And you just think that, 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 that where they left themselves at RE2, that emotional level they were at, and now mm. they're just kind of giving off to each other, swapping like Bruce Willis, you know, side, one-liners. you know, yeah, yeah. One, one-liners. Yeah, it's, it's just, oh, it's it's terrible. It's tragic. It's a side effect of being in the, the action movie pastiche that is Resident Evil 4, isn't it? Mm. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. It's a shame that that's missing because personally, like after that bit, when it is sort of like swapping one-liners and flirting, I don't actually mind that, but it is a shame that the, the emotion weight is missing from that bit. And that's, that well, goes for the other characters as well. Because, uh, yeah, her interactions with Krauser and Wesker are, are, I I thought were really good as well. It was cool to see her um, interact with other uh, figures in the it's sort the, of criminal it's the world. It's, it's a Plagueis getting into Leon's mind. He cannot focus. 
<laughs> yeah, there you go. It's guiding Leon. Uh, I'm trying to think of how many of straws I can clutch. Give me a second. Oh, wow, there's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think everyone is very much correct on that. Mm. Um, so, any more thoughts on RE4? You know, we didn't really touch on performance, but as I say, I think this is my personal favourite. Again, Sally just really knocked it out of the park and sort of the evolution of character. Almost sort of like letting go of the shackles a little bit of, of her front and her lies yeah. um, and just getting to be the true blue Ada Wong and you just uh, smashed it. At no point does she lie to Leon in four. Absolutely. She's just there causing mayhem and, you know, uh, uh, quipping jokes aside in separate ways. The only person she ever lies to is, is Wesker and Krauser, uh, which is fantastic, mm. I think, for the I, villain. I, know, I, just, I mean, um, yeah, I, I think it's actually a great performance. It's just, I think, it, you know, the critic... The criticism for that opening scene is, but it is, is you put you put it perfectly aside that you know it, it feels like there's a scene that should have gone before that, mm-hmm. um, and there's obviously as well Sally Cahill gives quite um, a detailed reading with Incubate, uh, Resident Evil Four. Um, that have you seen the DVD? Um, oh yes, of, I'm aware. I know of what you're talking. I'm not sure if I've seen it actually. And she it's kind like of a gives like a commentary. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. she gives a commentary. It's kind of like a film. Um, Resident Evil Incubate uh, well Biohazard Incubate it probably is because it's from Japan it's like an art book but it comes with a DVD and on the DVD you've got um, yeah this kind of like almost film of the uh, um, you know kind of like when people put together a movie cut you know cutscenes of, of, of the game narrative yeah. and yeah she gives a reading of, of, of kind of you know from behind the scenes she talks about Las Plagas about Illuminati all, all of it it's, it's actually it's a, it's a great watch uh, uh, yeah fans should definitely check that out there you go, audience. There's your homework. It is currently on YouTube, uh, and it's two hours long. So that's I, you know, it's no Wesker's wow. report. Is it, is Twenty it minutes. Long? Bloody yeah. hell! It's like a, it reminds me of the uh, Wesker's report. You know the way if you, you, you yeah know, yeah, it seems point. like a meatier version if it's two hours. That's quite a lot. I don't remember it being that long. Wow. Um, RE4 has no law. Oh, there's four. Uh, it kind of <laughs> sorry. Four. It's almost set out as four videos, and and right. each one is probably at least a good 10 20 minutes but um yeah <laughs> resident evil incubate fantastic okay so let's let's jump a few years into the future then um ada wong so far only appearance in the cgi film uh part of the resident evil canon i suppose it remains to be seen she may or may not show up in infinite darkness but uh resident evil damnation first time that she's been portrayed by courtney taylor um, there's not much to say in terms of like I don't have paragraphs of introduction for this one that's for sure I mean there isn't a whole lot here uh, she goes to uh, it's the Eastern Slav Republic right this former, former Soviet Union block that's now its own country um, trying to fight for independence and join the EU and all that, all that stuff um, quite a politically charged film to be fair um, and Ada goes there posing as a member of the BSAA to investigate Plagos and potentially get a sample and stuff like that that's going on there. That's pretty much all they give you. There isn't a whole lot more to it than that. Um, but from the off, you know, when she's introduced, I kind of like that she's posing as the BSAA. I just thought it was kind of funny that she goes from uh, kind of posing that she's working with Wesker to posing as one of the, like, anti-bioterrorism units. I thought that was quite funny. Um 
I don't remember what my first reaction to her appearance in this film was, but I can imagine it was pretty much what my reaction was to watching it this week, which was she's kind of barely in it. She doesn't really do a whole lot, to be honest. Uh, Steve, do you remember your reaction to Ada's yeah. presence in Damnation? It's fundamentally the same. I'm waiting, I'm waiting for the second cut of Damnation. You know, Damnation separate ways to <laughs> fill me in on what the hell she's doing there, really, besides just grabbing stuff. Now, it's, it's, it feels almost like she didn't have to be there, mm-hmm. you know? Like, well, we know what she's there for. She's there to get... She's doing the RE2 bit. She's getting the virus for somebody dodgy. Yeah, it, but... It, mm-hmm. it seems almost out of character with where she's got to on four, where she's screwing everyone over, basically. Like, you know, I know she gets a Plagueis and doesn't give it to Wesker. You know, she gives the wrong one to Wesker. Wesker mm-hmm. gets on bloody Krauser. But yeah. it, it, now it seems like she's just back to doing the dodgy stuff again. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, the, the, there goes Ada being a wrong and Doing you things know, for reasons yeah. you don't know. Yeah. I mean, she has a cool fight, but it's... it's I mean, besides that one bit where they flirt with, where she flirts with Leon, uh, and they imply that they have met again sometime when right. we haven't seen, there's not really much to it for me. Like it, it's cute. She gets upset when the uh, the lady I cannot remember her name puts uh, her suit. Svetlana Belakova, I think that's right. Yeah, that, that that's it's almost like Ada's felt like, oh crap, someone who's better at martial arts kung fu than I am. <laughs> yeah, that scene is. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, yeah, no, you're 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 right. It is is almost like Ada by number. Almost, it's like she turns up, yeah. she does a flirt, she saves Leon at the end with a big explodey gun of some kind. <laughs> it is a checklist of what Ada has to do in a thing where Leon appears. She just does that. It's, literally, uh... it is literally like that. Just hit the notes of what's you go lying about who you're working for, saving Leon. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much it, and then off she goes. Uh, George, do you remember your reaction to? Uh, Ada in Damnation? Um, not as well as I should. Sorry, because I should have watched Damnation again today. Um, <laughs> in prep, I am sorry. And I remember, like, I found Damnation a little dull. I, It's not my favourite of the CGI films. Mm-hmm. Probably my least favourite, actually. Um, actually, no, I forgot about Vendetta. No, it's not my least favourite. Yeah, there isn't much from... Um, it's not not too much really to to say. Mm. Um, she yeah, her appearance is quite fleeting. Mm. Um, we get that thing at the end that I think is quite significant in terms of the plaga, isn't it? Um, yeah, she. I think it's meant to be she's handing something off to Derek C. Simmons, but then it it kind of worked out that it wasn't in the end because it didn't really match. Oh, up. good. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. That no, I remember that was kind of argued to um uh, uh, at one point, but. Mm. No, like you said, there's not not an awful lot to say. Perhaps actually, if she had been in in the narrative a bit more, it, it, yeah, I probably wouldn't have found it as dull. I, I I just found it a bit charmless a lot of that story, and so yeah, I kind of definitely would have loved to have seen more Ada in it. Actually, mm-hmm. see her character and her behaviour. Obviously, I'm assuming it is the real, the 100 percent real Ada Wong, right? But this could have easily been Carla, huh, and yeah. I, and I wouldn't have really cared. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't feel like it has an impact on the wider canon, for one thing. And it doesn't really feel like it has that much of an impact on the actual story. Okay, so she saves Leon, but you can DSX Machina or anything, and if you want, and she gets to have a hand-to-hand kung fu fight with the president <laughs> of a country. It's bizarre. Like that whole scene is so bizarre to me. Um, 
I yeah, I like the BSAA and I like the the, the other bit, but and the, like you said, the one-liner about when are we gonna carry on that one night, which I which is really actually quite a nice line as is sort of inferred earlier um, about whether or not their relationship, her and Leon, is genuine. That's kind of what I meant. That 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 actually kind of implies that there is some more going on that we don't even necessarily see. But that's the problem a little bit. Is like it feels like she's in this. Because Leon's in it. Like, when you think about all of Leon's appearances, and we'll get to him one day when we do one of those profiles, but uh, pretty much every time Leon's been in anything, with the exception of Vendetta, I can't think of anything else, Ada is also there. So, it, it, and that's why I say, oh, you know, Infinite Darkness, she might turn up for all we know, probably won't get any more answers or anything like that. But it does feel like, oh, it's a Leon thing, so just, there, there's an Ada, and then they didn't really know what to do with her. Like, yeah, 100% is Ada probably going to be in Infinite Darkness just because Leon's there, and that's a shame. Mm-hmm. It, uh, this is probably the quintessential, like, she is there because Leon, and it, it sucks. Yeah. Because, as Sai is alluding to, there are questions about Ada Wong we would like to see at least hinted at or nudged into the direction of an answer, and this is just, like, almost fan service, mm-hmm. but in a really, really weak-ass way. Yeah, it is It is kind of like that. Um I'm, so this is this is where my frustrations begin and kind of I think there are people that are looking forward to this podcast because they know my overall opinion of Ada is a little bit shaky at best. This is where the frustration begins because adds nothing. Like I said, her personality and her series of events in this film are pretty much the same in a way as RE6. She wears something red. She has a sexy smile and she shows her legs off. She flirts with Leon. She shoots a big gun to save him. She has a conversation with a mysterious person and then she vanishes. And as I said, after finishing Ari Thor, I was like, oh, we're going to go somewhere with this. And the next entry in her story does absolutely nothing and it only gets worse from here. On the plus side, uh, I thought the performance was decent. You know, as I say, Courtney Taylor, this is her first time as Ada. She, you know, maybe not quite as smooth, loses some of the smoothness to her uh, that, that Sally brought. Um, it's funny in retrospect and we mentioned this uh, it seems a shame that they didn't notice that Jolene would make a fantastic voice for her at this time because she is the mocap for Damnation before she went on to be the voice she might as well have done the voice while she was here because it's not that many lines either but you know Courtney did fine Um, Steve thoughts on on Courtney's portrayal Uh, okay well honestly (laughs) Like that's it. I've got nothing again. Like I said earlier in the top of the podcast, it's uh, it blends with me with Mass Effect 2's Jack. Yeah. So it's very much the same voice. At least it feels like it to me. That's not a dig. It's just the way it seems to have rolled. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's okay. Doesn't feel particularly Ada esque. Uh, not that Ada's got a type, but it's uh, yeah. It just it just it's okay. Yeah. All right, anyway. I'm afraid it's not the most detailed response. I mean, that's if that's how it makes you feel, I completely understand. If there's no more thoughts on Damnation, then we'll roll into the big gun that is RE6. Um, we talked about RE6. We've only talked about RE6 once before on the podcast, really, which was in the villain special a couple of episodes back, where we talk about Simmons and we talked about Carla, but now we're going to talk about Ada's sort of perspective and rolling it a little bit more. Um so yeah, the, the story for this really um, it, it takes place 
a short time after damnation, I suppose, with Ada receiving a call from a Kana Radamus. She climbs aboard a submarine owned by the Simmons Foundation or whatever, I guess. Um, sees some orders addressed to her that she never took. Uh, and then we roll from there into the story of uh, Simmons, which has come up in all of these sort of paragraphs of information I've given you, all this retroactive information that's been added into her backstory. Um, it's an, an attempt to, I guess, give her more footing in the overall back catalogue. It kind of feels like, well, you know, okay, we're going to give her some more meat on the bone that leads up to this point. Uh, GT, let's start with you, because I know you're excited to talk about RE6. What was your reaction to Ada's sort of story in this game? Well, well, I have to admit, I haven't played a lot of RE6 um, mm. because it's RE6. Because there's a lot <laughs> of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but going on what Steve said before, it, it yeah, the performance in this as well doesn't feel if Ada has it, it doesn't feel Ada Wong. And it's not just to say you know she has you know the audacity not to be Sally Kale. It just it doesn't feel though there isn't. It just it's a bit. It just feels a bit one-dimensional, that, and and um, I, you know, just think that this is res- uh, to think this is like the sixth incarnation, the sixth main, sorry, the sixth main title, and so I, I don't want to go on about it, but I didn't like the narrative. I didn't. I just thought it was ridiculous that you know this is where the series has got to, um, the, the whole Simmons story and mm-hmm. the family. Um, the, yeah, no, it just, I just, I bore myself listening to myself talk about Resident <laughs> 6. Um, but I don't want to try and, you know, something insightful to say about the character. I really didn't like the character. I have to say, the char- this is my least favorite of all the character models. It was almost, I don't know, I'm not saying Capcom tried to do this, but it almost like they're kind of almost trying to more Europeanize her. Mm. Uh, um, they, 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 it's almost like they, it just comes, it's like Ada Wong Light. They just kind of seem to just take all the character out of both the voice performance and, and and uh the story and um yeah i mean there's a couple of uh um interactions she has with leon i think where leon sort of says ada what's going on and she says it's complicated and then when she has this one of these end comment or end conversations with simmons she's like he's like what's going on and she's oh, a long story and I, no you know i i don't want that from a resident evil story it doesn't have to be complicated if it's an intelligent narrative in a puzzle box you find out at the end or or like some kind of um you know like with, with wesker kind of twist at the end but resident evil 6 just you know not just to, in terms of gameplay the whole narrative was a mess and i just think obviously mm. like with all the characters ada's gonna suffer ada's gonna suffer from that mm. and especially because she's so central to everything like she is a yeah, really yeah. important character in the overall plot of re6 um it's funny I've got a couple of weird references to making this rant but it's it, weirdly it made me think of the Sonic Adventure games you beat all the other campaigns and then you get your Super Sonic 1 last or Sonic Adventure 2 you get the hero in the dark and then you get the last story to tie it all together and that's how RE6 came you had to beat the other three campaigns and then you get your Ada one that's not true of later ports I know and I think and even an update it gave you that from the beginning but she was meant to be her campaign is meant to be all the answers to the questions and stuff like that the problem is right okay we talked about Claire in Resident Evil Revelations 2 in her profile episode and you know it's controversial a little bit her appearance in that be that the writing you know the localization you always find people discussing sort of claire's personality in rev 2 online there's today still debates about it 
but at least it gave us something to talk about. Because this is the most symptomatic of RE6 arc of the entire game. Because there isn't one. Like, she's the main character of RE6, arguably. And she has zero arc. We didn't learn anything about her that we didn't already know. Except Simmons had a massive for her. That's about it. Like, if Damnation was like, okay, getting a bit tired now. This just a complete formality. The, the mysterious thing. Which, I mean... RE6 has its high points, but you can figure out how much I like my appear my sort of experience with its story, considering that it has two boring Ada Wong characters in it. <laughs> it's like Pokemon. Ada Wong red version or Ada Wong blue version. Gotta vague them all. There's no point. It's just like you said, it's a mess, but worse than a mess, there's literally no point. It, it just it ends where it began, and that's that's true with RE6 in general. But I found Ada to be the probably the worst version of it because it's kind of meant to be her story. Steve, yeah. you said you had some defenses. Please no, save no, us. Right? <laughs> okay. I'm going to be fair with with you with you guys. Right? Ada is not perfect in RE6 by by any means. But nobody is. Let's be fair. Leon's a complete like dolt when it comes to what a zombie is. Apparently. Uh, Chris has gone through the trauma of losing his team and therefore loses an entire other team over it. You know, yeah. Jake and Sherry are perfectly fine. Yes, yeah, I'll give you that. Which is actually, that's okay, they're fine. Jake's goes from being a complete git to being actually kind of likable, and then a sequel setup that never happens. Ada, like, it, it's weird because she teleports to other place as a part of the narrative, but that's generally how RU6 rolls. The things that I like that Ada does in this game is the fact that she doesn't actually even need to be here. Not really. All the things she does are mostly inconsequential besides giving Leon a ring, theoretically. Although she literally goes out of her way to save Jake and Sherry from a chainsaw monster that she inadvertently unleashed on them. She mm. didn't need to do that. Then uh, during the instances where she's in a helicopter, she's saving bloody civilians. Ada Wong! The Ada Wong! You're telling me she's going to save people's lives off her own back for the sake of being nice? Uh, yeah, she is, because that's what she feels like doing. And then there's the, I think the, uh, one of my favorite moments literally is her closing scene where after seeing a, you know, call her off and all the rest of it, she's, you know, she's beyond sympathy and beyond humanity and she loses her complete, like, loses composure and annihilates a lab with a Uzi with a very upset and honestly out of character for what we know of Ada up until right. this point. Like, she yeah. has snapped. Uh, and then, throws like her phone or a little weird cube phone away in disgust and somehow regains a composure and goes back to it. And I, I, there's something about the fact that she completely like helps people loses her, like loses her mind and goes completely off of what we called the like Ada model of how she behaves in the personality. I kind of really enjoy doesn't make any sense, mm. but it's nice to see her let loose. Mm -hmm. If uh, I, I, I know it's not what we wanted. It's not like, giving us deep answers and explaining what Ada is, but I genuinely don't think we're going to get that. I feel like if we ever do, it's going to be an RE0 situation where the answers we get really, oh, okay. Mm. You know? Do you know, I, I I can agree with what you're saying, really, to be fair, because um, I'll give you this much. This RE6 is nice in the sense that it is Ada doing things that she wants to do. It's not following a job. It's It's a mystery that she wants to solve herself you know yeah. you know who is this person parading around pretending to be me and stuff like that that's nice that's different but yeah after i i also understand you know she loses her composure that bit is cool and then immediately just goes back to cool calm and collected but it does also kind of feel like 
I guess with the lack of answers, it's very easy to glaze over because it does end with her answering a phone call and getting another job pretty much exactly with damnation. This is the dichotomy, isn't it? That uh, people will will forever crave answers, but I just don't think we're going to get them. Uh, Mm -hmm. She is the the mysterious operator who goes from thing to thing. And in this particular case, it involved her and she was almost invited in and therefore she could just let loose. Yeah, I I think time and time again, Capcom have failed to kind of make the brave decisions, you know, um, tying Chris's story to an end in five, Mm. finding a suitable narrative to, to tie or at least not tied to an end, actually, maybe even almost like the beginning, the fact that we could actually find out answers about, but actually, but that would be good, you know, tie it to an end when we do find out the answers. Uh, yeah, with Ada in six. And I, yeah, I, you're, I, that, those are good themes, aren't they? Like you mentioned, Steve, um, letting Ada loose. And also mm. Sai saying about, um, you know, her, you know, almost seeing a bit of a vulnerable side in the sense that, she, you know, isn't quite, ah, suddenly she's not, maybe not the one pulling the strings, the puppeteer, and trying to find out exactly what's going on. Um, and, but then it's just done in this ridiculously, like, soap opera kind of sto- insane story. Mm. Um, I I would hope, now I've got optimism, I would hope that, that, that we're, we're definitely going to see her again. I mean, I think they're tying... Mia and Ethan's story to an end with eight and possibly nine. Um, <clears throat> um, so if not, maybe in a, in a, well, obviously we're going to get the remake of four, aren't we? So mm-hmm. that's going to be fascinating. I, I, I'm I, I'm pretty confident um, that they're going to have Nick and, and Jolene back for those, those roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's going to be interesting, isn't it? How, how they're going to play, how they're going to play Ada. I think hopefully they'll kind of take what they did well in two, you know, with the emotional scenes between those two, I think they acted really well. Hopefully, we'll get that. Maybe we'll get we'll get a more nuanced Ada. But obviously, they're not going to divert from the narrative, so we're not going to find out any any answers that we didn't. Yeah, for you know. sure. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that you're almost certainly right. The thing about the remakes is um, characterization was just pretty wonderful across the board and character interaction. So I think you're going to see some interesting stuff in that. In terms of the future. I don't know, it feels odd like to think of her now as part of the main series because Seven and, and Village are so different. And Chris is the only returning character we've seen in those games at all so far. It's going to happen, obviously. It just, it's odd to picture it. Almost maybe kind of wonder if we get a Revelations 3. Is that mm. the time? Are we going to maybe have... Now we've had her as a major playable character in 6. Are we going to pick that one back up again? You know, it's called Revelations. Usually there's not a whole lot of revelations in them. Um, not to establish questions anyway. But maybe that would be the perfect opportunity to do it. I don't know. The problem is, and I, I, it's very easy for me to agree and say, I don't think there is an answer. I'm fairly certain they don't know the answer yet. Um, and they're reticent to give you one. The only problem with these characters that you are letting exist in a timeline with dates <laughs> is they're all getting older uh are we yeah. gonna have a 80 year old chris redfield without a single gray hair i don't think so so they're gonna be forced to do things with these characters before too long and they're gonna have to come up with endings and answers for some of them and and they're gonna have to pass some torches and stuff we can't have 90 year old geriatric ada wong throwing rocket launchers off of billboards to save people forever so Time is going to force Capcom's hand, but I agree that they have no idea where they're actually going to take this right now. It's it's a 
it's a weird paradox, isn't it? Because I don't, I don't know how you would resolve her plot line in any meaningful fashion unless we go all the way back to the beginning and there's some kind of like almost uh, spoiler for the novels, Trent like she's been playing everybody to try and screw them all over the entire time mm. answer. You know, anything else is kind of like, I'm going to be evil and take over the world and the world will burn in an inferno of hate. You know, <laughs> it, it just doesn't seem like it'd fit with a character at this point. I Yeah, but, I think... I think George, you said sort of leaning more into the sort of helping than than her hurting. I think her end goal is going to be for the good, but what exactly that is and how well, she like, like she's been working on this plan for so long, you know. I would love just to see her kind of sacrifice herself. You know, mm. I mean that's why you know to perhaps it's 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 right. These things perhaps should end where they are on the, on the first instance, and perhaps that should have been the end of her story in two. You know, because I think that's the kind of ending I want for that exact type of ending, you know, uh, self-sacrifice or perhaps even being betrayed by uh, Wesker or someone that, that, that she's working for mm. and, and, and seeing her killed. So, yeah, maybe we'll come, almost coming full circle, perhaps, and something very similar and very befitting for the character would be something similar to two. Yeah. Um, I mean, the best part is even if they do kill her off and keep her like, you know, in some kind of horrible state. They do it vague enough. They can still write her back in. And, you know, yeah. just took some viral mumbo-jumbo that allows her to age better, like, mm. et cetera. Not to... I mean, I think we're all on board that Sherry's going to be fine for a while yet. She could, she could just pull, like, G-Virus Infinite Youth. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jill, maybe, as a result of the stuff she's gone through with all the experiments and viral things. Uh, but, yeah, the, the, the aging is a factor that they have to address if they're I going to keep using the characters. I think it's Just think what you're saying there, Steve. Yeah, I mean, Jill, Jesus, at this point, is kind of like a viral soup that, you know, Lisa Trevor gets to look like that. Yeah, how is Jill... <laughs> how does Jill look so good? Yeah. yeah. George taking to bat for his daughter. Uh, you know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you love to yeah, see yeah, it. I mean, they even made... They even kind of tried to make her look even better. I'm not saying blonde's the better, but, you know, they make her go blonde <laughs> as well. But, yeah, Lisa, Lisa Trevor just deteriorates into a into like a mush <laughs> and uh yeah it's, it's all about portion control george <laughs> having only so much if so, you know not having too much it's, i love jill i mean actually all joking aside second only to ada jill valentine's my favorite the thing is the thing is he's saying you know jill looks so good even though she's full of viruses we haven't seen her for <laughs> in canon wise for over 10 years so you don't know you don't know man <laughs> i'm not saying i want to i want to see a downfall in it in, oh absolutely in i just think yeah, Lisa was done done quite poorly. And in, and in terms of sort of one and done with the idea of maybe they should have have killed her off and killed her off way back when. The only problem with that is as a community, then everyone stands up and goes, "Well, you killed off a cool character." I mean, just speaking of RE6, look appears right. Everybody wants him to come. Well, lots of people campaign that he's still alive and he can come back. Um, so the reaction, if Ada had died off already, he definitely would have got that. That being said, I think she realistically thinking about it now i almost wonder if she's going to die before we get her answers and and you get your moment of leon being mopey about it and like you know we never even knew what she was what her end goal was and that's how they leave it nice and easy don't have to come up with an answer you say about she you know whether she could have an appearance in revelations 3 but you made that point before that i hadn't realized you're right that kind of she always seems to come with leon and it's interesting whether you know would she would capcom dare put her into a game you know, without Leon, because I can't mm. see Leon in the revelations. I can see Ada, but then again, you know, how yeah, are they going to try her narrative back to an end without an appearance from Leon? 
just to just to top of the show, I mentioned Umbrella Chronicles. That may be the one time we've seen Ada without a Leon. That's true. Yeah. I mean, technically appears in one Shinkiro artwork, but we're going to glaze over that for the sake of the statement I'm making. <laughs> you know, all right, I've got one for you. Uh, according to the wiki, she's in Project X Zone. Is is Leon in? <laughs> yeah, I don't think that. Counts. So is Bruce. <laughs> yeah, true. And there's also the audio drama because you were. Oh, that's some, true. Am I? Is she killed in the? So is it the little orphan ship? No, what is it? Oh, I can't um, think. Some, oh, there's something oh. spy, isn't it? Some. Yeah, the, the spy Ada Wong or something, and it takes something place like that, yeah. in somewhere. Current news. The... Current news. Uh, lead, lead, leading multiplayer game, Teppen. Ada is a playable character in that. Leon is not. Ergo. Oh. <laughs> you found the one game. She, she's the main focus of the narrative in that game, as it turns out. But Someone can what, correct me if I'm wrong. I think Hunk kills her in the audio drama. Yeah, that, that sounds familiar, out. you know. <laughs> in a French village somewhere. We need Christ. the bat- Batman. And thank you to the Batman. You know, I was so nervous about coming on this podcast, about all the facts and lore I'd have to remember oh. about Ada in these installments um, that I'm not so familiar with. And But then you were able, you were reading them out as kind of intro size. So I was like, oh, phew. It's all, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to... Yeah, Don't worry, it's much a reminder for me as it is for anyone else. So, <laughs> all right, so let's let's tie up with one last question about Ada, and I know we've we've pretty much given our answers anyway, but just just to have it on record that your favourite Ada Wong appearance slash performance. I mean, I know I think we're all in agreement that uh, Sally is our favourite Ada uh, voice actor, but as I said, RE four for me is is my favourite Ada. It just teeters almost on the, the beginning of the sort of frustration of not knowing the answers, but at least at this point it was it was just kind of fun. And now, it, like I say, it's it's, it's just not. <laughs> but RE4 Ada is, is, is fun. It's great evolution from RE2. Um, I think the writers and the voice actor got the character perfect for me. Um, Steve, what's your favourite Ada appearance? Don't say Tepper. It- <laughs> uh, actually, I, I need to know. I need to know who's voicing uh, Ada and Teppen to really have an opinion. Uh, no, I, honestly, it's it, it. literally is probably going to be a bit predictable, but yes, it is. It is Sally, and I. It's it's. So, it depends on day of the week, but normally it's four. As much as two is the favorite game, mm-hmm. normally I do think Ada is like you know one of the coolest in four separate ways. You know, and the, the full full inclusion of four. We're not having like you know just base GameCube four. Sorry. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to have that separate ways. Otherwise, it's that then then it's definitely RE2. So I suppose with the, without caveats, RE2 with caveats for. Love it. GT favorite Ada appearance. Well, I'm I don't hold a torch for Resident Evil 2 original as much as a lot of people you know do that are so passionate about the series uh, like me, particularly from that early era. Um, I'm always going for Resident Evil 3 before two every time uh, the of the originals. Um, but for me, it's a it's it's, it's her performance and and just the whole story in two and the fact that i was undecided for so kind of thinking the fact that four gets an honorable mention mm. even with that first scene and what, what they omitted and what we should have had i think it's testament to what what we actually got from ada yeah. uh, in four and with separate ways and assignment ada and and incubate biohazard to incubate as well um i think i re- i loved ada in four but there was so much also wrong with it. And there was, yeah, two. It's just more, for me, just more nuanced and kind of more 
remember, we've got to look at this from the perspective of when we first played the game and didn't already have all the answers with two. And mm. I just love the fact that it was keeping us guessing. Um, yeah, it's two for me. Fantastic. Well, nothing else remains for me but to thank our contributors. If you'd like to be part of the show, then please look into auditioning for our file readings. Join the Discord server to get in touch with members of the team and our community, discuss Resident Evil with us and other fans, and listen to the podcast live as it's being recorded. You can find a link to the server, as well as our Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, Instagram, YouTube, and more over at fbraypod.com. You can find the podcast on YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, and iTunes, and if you enjoyed the show, please do leave us a review where you can. It helps spread the word you can also support the show by picking up some merch or at patreon.com forward slash fa spray pod for as little as one dollar a month in our next episode we go back to where it all began to celebrate 25 years of resident evil we are returning to the spencer mansion with a retrospective look back at the original game that started it all thank you to the panel you can follow all of us individually i'm at signiac underscore one two three steve is at fb steve was taken george is at freshwater underscore paul and crimson underscore head and thank you for listening and have a good week It was almost like a personification of just how unsubtle for me so much of the remake was um that you've got this fantastic kind of nuanced oh sorry do you want, <laughs> wouldn't be a gt that? appearance without church bells it's the fine bells <laughs> yeah um yeah look listen if it, it, it the resident evil podcast people have to put up with this as well yeah that's um, fine we know what it comes with the part and parcel I, when i moved here i couldn't fuck, sorry, sorry excuse me i couldn't believe that um, they would go off like all that. I'd have to. I lived so close to this thing that went off all the time, every hour, and it goes off at four, five, you know, six a.m. in mm-hmm. the morning. Um, that's crazy. Anyway, I mean, I'm literally but, across the road from a church, but it's Sunday mornings or whatever, and that's about it. <laughs> you know, this is this is on the hour, every hour for you know twelve times at midnight, and then once at one a.m. As obviously that's how you guys know how a clock works. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um what was i saying about oh yeah just didn't yeah inspect a gadget um